On this Monday, happy Valentine's Day uh, to you out there as well. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for being with us. Plenty to get to as far as the Super Bowl uh, is concerned today. DJ Shockley, former Georgia quarterback, Falcons quarterback, will join us. We'll talk about that quarterback play in the Super Bowl last night. He will join us coming up top of next hour. Also, Max Starks, former Steelers offensive lineman, two-time Super Bowl champion, will join us, and he'll break down what happened in that uh, that ball game last night. But Ben, right off the bat, Rams 23, Bengals 20. Uh, before we dive into anything else, just your overall thoughts on the Super Bowl last night. Lived up to the billing. I know a lot of people want to say, Kevin, it was kind of lackluster. I think you kind of showed – it, it, it kind of gave you everything you wanted. You talk about a uh, Cincinnati Bengals team that people say, are oh, they legit? They uh, they get down early uh, by two scores. People saying, oh, is this going to be a blowout? Then Cincinnati came back and started making plays. Odell Beckham Jr. goes out in the first half, and uh, people you know wishing for the, wishing the best uh, for him. You talk about uh, Matthew Stafford. Can he go out there and uh, finally you know win his first Super Bowl? But I think at the end of the day, you know, from from the commercials, which I know we'll get to, to the to the to the halftime show, to all to the stars and the rock and all these and Jay Z, Beyonce, I mean LeBron, Roger Goodell sitting next to Russell Wilson, it just stars galore. I think it lived up to it. I think the fact that when you start talking about the stars line, when people start talking about stars, well, there are stars. Like I think Jalen Ramsey is a star, Matthew Stafford is a star, Joe Burrow is a star. Uh, Jamar Chase is a star. Aaron Donald is a superstar. Cooper Cup is a superstar. And it showed last night. Like, superstars are those people to where, Kevin, it's like you said, it's like we talked about with Derek Jeter. Hey, man, what people love about this Derek Jeter guy? Wait till the clutch come. What do you mean? Wait, wait, till it's, wait till it's, you know what I'm saying? Wait till it's, you know, it's an 0-2 count. It's two outs. And, you know, and watch what he does. Watch he get on base. Watch it. So, I think that and, – and, I think that sometimes when you start talking about why we love football, the Super Bowl was a good game. I mean, we was we was it came Kevin, it came down to the last couple of possessions. Um Matthew Stafford went out there and showed why he is, you know, why if you put him with elite talent, he can go out there and get it done. Cincinnati had their opportunity, but I think experience uh ruled the day from, you know, Zach Taylor and his decision making versus Sean McVay. Uh having the best player on the planet uh, and Aaron Donald down the stretch, and that helps. You know that that helps out a lot. Uh, Cooper Cup is put up, put up. You know he put together a season for the age. Like I, I've never seen an individual season like this from a receiver. But it came down to twenty three twenty, and that's what you can like. I mean, I know everybody was like, "Oh, let's go to overtime." It was about as good as you can get it. I think you got the best that you can get from both teams. And uh, hey, man, I think it's gonna be one of those Super Bowls that it wasn't a blowout. Thank God, it wasn't like unlimited. Access to the freaking end zone yeah. by the freaking offense, but yeah, it was. I think it was a great Super Bowl. Every all things considered, yeah. And, and again, I think you had great players making great plays uh, on on the on the spotlight uh, out there. You look at the the quarterbacking. I mean, Matt Stafford had a couple of picks. I think one really wasn't his fault uh, if you look at it. But twenty six of 40, 283, three touchdowns. Joe Burrow twenty two of thirty three, two sixty three, one touchdown. So. Quarterbacking pretty close. Matt Stafford had more touchdowns. Obviously threw the ball a little bit more, but in terms of completion percentage, yardage, they were kind of in the same relative ballpark uh, there. Were, were were both of these guys? So you look at how this game shaped up. It also came down to uh, defense and Ben Aaron Donald. I know we talked about it and said, look, this guy has been the best defensive lineman uh, in the league. He's got 
Uh, you know, just a high motor. He's not the biggest guy that's uh, ever played defensive line, but yet he is unstoppable. And want to, to to walk through a couple of things here from that last night because, again, as a football guy, you might have a little bit different perspective because I agree. Uh, something earlier, Mike Greenberg said, the play of the game, my, and it will never show up on highlight tapes because it's not, like, sexy to look at, but the third down and one play that Aaron Donald make, that made where he grabs the running back and pulls him backwards, stops the momentum and pulls it backwards. Then you watch it in slow motion. He did it with one arm and being blocked by the other. I mean, as a football guy, explain to people, like, that doesn't compute, right? Even for guys that play football, you're like, wait a minute. So you're being blocked, right? You have one free arm, right? And you just tackled our 225-pound running back <clears throat> and stopped his momentum and pulled him backwards so he couldn't reach out for the first time. That, that's correct. Like, that doesn't make sense. To me, I, granted, I, I didn't play at that level. That doesn't make sense. You shouldn't be able to do that. No. And I think, I, think, I think you just said it, though, Kevin. Sometimes we don't know what we're looking at. Like, when, when Vince Carter in the dunk contest sticks his arm in the rim, we don't we don't really know what we're looking at. Like what? Like sometimes like did he just? Yes, you had to jump that high to stick your arm in the rim. He's trying to show you I'm jumping at a different level than these boys. When you talk about Aaron Donald, look at the situation though. People are always talking about okay, the first thing you do with the play, okay, you got to understand down to this third and one. Okay, you got to anticipate. All right, they're probably going to try to run at me because I'm getting double teamed. Or you know you got to you got to you got to you got to be able to execute. You got to be able to finish. And I think the thing is, like you said, Kevin, I have a 300-pound man on one on one part of my body. I am so I am securing a 300-pound man with this part of my body. I have to keep that open arm free. Not only do I tackle the guy, he doesn't go any farther, and he's running at me. That's the equivalent of you know I don't know if you can if you can if you could take something that whole. The equivalent of a, a, I don't know a big gigantic a big gigantic you know refrigerator full of food, but it's it's got this and they tape your arm around one side of it, and another two hundred twenty five person come at you and you got to listen. He stopped him like you didn't. If he lead if he falls forward, that's the first down. Aaron Donald, I think sometimes we don't appreciate just how great he is. People think, oh man, he sacks the quarterback. No, I am I am good for the situation. And the thing is, just imagine that running back. He's like, dude, when he grabbed me, that was it. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> and, 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 and people go, well, why, why is he able to really do that? I spend my whole career getting double teamed. I go up against 600 pounds every play, either in the passing game or the run game, trying to trap me and all these different things. So I'm sorry, uh, running back. You're a little lightning. You know what? You kind of light to me. Because when people ask, hey, man, why do you lift the weights? And all that? I'm doing it for one play. Like, think about it. I'm only doing it for one play. I do all this, run, lift, eat right, sleep right, do all these things right, sacrifice for my family for that one. And last night, if people know who is Aaron Donald, that's him. Because what happens is everything happened right. Hey, dude, we blocking him. And you think of and that guard, the guy got he goes, nope. He sticks his arm out right there. Boop, you're going backwards. Four for one, obviously game over. And, and who had the pressure on four for one? That would be Aaron Donald. Who had the pressure in the NFC Championship game against Jimmy Garoppolo to send him to? That would be Aaron Donald. So when people start saying, hey, man, no, he shows up when it matters. Because, Kevin, you know how it is. Look, man, can't be a first-quarter player. Can't be a second-quarter player. Can't even be a third-quarter player. Are you a fourth-quarter situation? All games on the line, I won't smoke. You don't believe that? 
You go back to when the uh, when the Saint, when the Seattle Seahawks was getting, went to their first Super Bowl. Richard Sherman, they got him on the sideline saying they finna come at me and make a play. When he jumps up in the air, Crabtree, and obviously, uh, you know, they pick it off and they go to the Super Bowl. I'm telling you, Aaron Donald, I ain't, look, man, been in the league eight years, seven-time first-team All-Pro, two-time uh, defensive player of the year. What else can he do? Like, last night was like the mic drop. Boop. I could come back and add to my legacy. But, yes, Kevin, I mean, I'm sorry, but uh, that running back is saying, I'm a grown man. You are. <laughs> but you went up against a groaner, man, yeah. if, if that's even a word. But, yeah, but yeah, I, I think you said it, Kevin. We just we got to witness greatness, and he didn't stop, man. This boy, I don't know what Aaron Donald, I don't know who he come from or what, what he do, but shout out to that man. And for people saying, that off was the line didn't block well. Well, they got number 99 in front of them. Show me somebody who does block him well. And if you say the Dallas Cowboys, well, those are all, <laughs> well, those are all pro Offensive lineman. So Fredrickson and those guys, I get it. But hey, man, I, when I saw it, I go, did he just third and one? And listen, listen, you know how you know third? They ain't come measure. They didn't do no challenge flag. Zach Taylor was like, oh, that's the, who was that? That was Donald? Yes, yes, four for one. They just run the play. So it was incredible to watch. Yeah, and again, comes down to a three point game. I think everybody was hoping for overtime. But again, what happens in big games like that? The defense did step up and made plays. Uh, I think certainly Joe Burrow. I mean, there was a time he took a nasty hit where he thought maybe he wasn't going to come back yeah. uh, and play. Both quarterbacks actually took some pretty nasty hits and it kind of gutted it out. I, I thought it had a lot of elements to it. I don't understand that people were like, eh, it wasn't, like you said, what do you, do you want 49 to 42? Exactly, like, yeah. every super, like, to me, this was a well-played game. And really, uh, I'll get your take. I, I think, yeah, it was only three points, but I think the Rams outplayed them Pretty much the entire game. Because you look at the the, the one controversial play where Jalen Ramsey gets his face mask turned. Off of the P.I., yeah. It, it doesn't get called. And he go in and he walks in for a touchdown. And you're thinking, oh, that was a big play. Then you see it and you're like, well, maybe that should have come back. And outside of that, then they scored 13 points, a couple of field goals. And this was after coming right out. Matt Stafford throws a pick in the, in the third quarter. Again, tips off the receiver's hand. You're going, uh-oh, this could be the huge swing. Rams defense held him to a field goal. Yeah. So that wasn't even an elite drive by that Cincinnati. Like, Saint, uh, Saint, I keep on saying this. L.A. controlled that football yes. game in a number of ways. They lost, again, kind of a lot of parallels to the uh, NCAA uh, championship game or the playoff championship game where you lose uh, Jamison Williams for Alabama. Yep. And is that the reason that Georgia won? No. But it did change the way the game yes. was played. Yes. Odell goes out. It changed the way yes. the Rams had to think. And I think if he stays in, we're probably talking about a 10, 13, 14-point win yeah. uh, at the end of the day because I just I, I felt watching that game, I'm like, boy, Cincinnati's in it, but they really shouldn't be. Yeah, Like, they, they got break, they got some breaks, and some things went their way because I know everybody at the end is going, Ben, why are they calling holding on the five-yard line with two minutes left? You're going to give the game to L.A. Well, I mean, L.A. did all they could to give it to you. I think the officiating had bad moments going both ways. Uh, in that ball game last night, and I just felt like L.A., if you just look at it on the way it was played, outplayed Cincinnati all night long, and they should have won, and it could have been a whole lot worse. The shoulda, coulda, woulda, I get. You can buy a whole lot of stuff with shoulda, woulda, coulda. <laughs> but I felt like if you just look at the way the game was played, L.A. was outplaying Cincinnati all night long. Yeah, and I think sometimes, too, people don't uh, people don't uh, understand uh, – when when a when a when a great player uh, a key contributor like like Odell Beckham goes out that messes up the that messes up everybody on the field because like I mean is he all right because genuine concern just happens I mean we don't take away our ability to be human beings 
even in this moment. But think about think about what 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 um what the Rams showed is when they needed it. Like Cooper Cup, I mean he had two touchdowns and that second one was incredible. But you talk about that last drive. Hey Coop, you ready? Yeah. Hey Aaron, hey Aaron Donald, hey you ready? Yeah. Hey uh you know hey um hey uh, Jalen, we know you we know that's an offensive PI. You just gave up a touchdown. Can you come back? Yep. And I think the ability to just keep playing because. Cincinnati is a better second-half team than the Rams. The Rams are trying to do something that only, you know, the Tampa Bay Bucks did a year prior, you know, host Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. But I do agree, Kevin. I mean, when, when that D-line finally said, look, dude, like, we got to take this over, it got ugly. I mean, I'm sorry, Joe Burrow had happy feet. Joe Burrow's out there getting hit a lot. They wasn't letting him out the pocket. He improvised here and there. So I do agree. Sometimes people see 23-20, sometimes they score – it's not indicative of actually what is happening in the game. The offensive line did not win the individual matchups. Jalen Ramsey, yes, even listen, even great cornerbacks give up plays sometimes. But that's not that's home. That, that's the ref just giving them a play. But I I do agree when you're talking about what the Rams was able to do, man, to be able to overcome Odell Beckham. Because now you're taking a receiver who's not used to being in the game, playing on offense, having to play. You start talking about the starting tight end for the Rams got hurt, so they got the backup tight end. You had a lot of guys, but when they needed it the most. They called on Okoop. Cooper Stafford, you couldn't stop it. And Aaron Donald, I'm I'm telling y'all people, I mean, I don't – I mean, made in a freaking lab. I mean, because the whole thing about it is Cooper Cup gets MVP. Probably should have won Aaron Donald, in my opinion. But I, I just think that, yes, uh, it was it was domination by the guys that were, that were usual suspects. And I'm talking about Aaron Donald. I'm talking about Cooper Cup, who – the same Cooper Cup who did not play in the last Super Bowl they was in. Yeah, again, I, I I know Cincinnati is the the team in waiting, so to speak. Like everybody wants to crown Joe Burrow as the next coming and all that, but I really thought offensive line got outplayed by for Cincinnati. Yes, uh, certainly. Uh, I, I think Stafford. I don't know if he really outplayed uh, Joe Burrow, but the pieces around him certainly outplayed the Cincinnati Bengals uh, in, in that Super Bowl as well. So I, I I thought, you know, with the Rams up and people were like, oh, are we going to go to overtime. In the back of my mind, I was like, maybe Joe Burrow still got in, but in the forefront, I'm like, I've been watching this for the entirety of the football game. And Joe Burrow, outside of pass interference, he doesn't have a touchdown pass. That's the one. Joe Mixon has a touchdown pass. Exactly. But, and so, like, you ran a trick play to get a touchdown. That Rams defense is dominating. I don't think they're going to go down there and score and get a field goal, and they didn't, and, and they shut it down. And uh, just an unbelievable uh, Super Bowl. I thought it had a lot of drama, a lot of back and forth. It was a close game. What the heck else do you want? Like, to me, if you can't get excited about a three-point ball game oh, with yeah. two minutes left, what, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Uh, so I, I thought, was it the best Super Bowl? No, because we've had, you know, Mike Jones making a tackle on the one-yard line. We've had uh, Joe Montana hitting Dwight Clark back corner of the end zone. We've had, you know, uh, the, the, the the Patriots getting that pick on the goal line. You got, uh, you got, you got Philly specials it, and all these different. Yeah, you got David Tyree with the helmet catch. You got Julian Elman. But, with, I mean, with, you've with, had with, Super Bowls where it's literally exactly. final seconds it, coming down to it. I mean, it's even, almost like, oh, my God, they only scored, they only scored 43, 43 points yeah. together. Well, that's called a Super Bowl. That's called – it came down to the last possession of the game, literally, to the point where, oh, they just scored Cooper Cup. Here comes now we gotta stop him. Hey man, I, I like the theatrics. I, I like I, I, you know, I won't I won't I won't suspense. I think you had all that. I thought on the on the merits of the game it was very, very good. We got a lot more to get to. Certainly Super Bowl is about everything. It's about the game, it's about the periphery, and there was a lot of cool stuff from last night as well. We'll get to that. Love to get your phone calls as well. Nine one two 
three four two seven one eight four. What did you love about the Super Bowl? What was your favorite moments uh, of the Super Bowl? We'd love to hear from you here on Three and Out. You can hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Good to have you along here, Three and Out. Kevin BJ not here. Ben is here. Say after the Super Bowl. And a lot going into uh, that that game on the field, off the field. Of course, the Super Bowl is about everything but the game sometimes. Uh, ben, uh, halftime, always a big to-do, and I think this one got a lot of rave reviews. Now, is uh, I think people don't understand sometimes the challenge of putting on halftime. You, hey, you, you can't just put – Ben has a saying on the show. I'll, 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 I like that way he says, like, there is a list to a lot of things in life, and you're either on the list or you're not on the list. And you come up to the club, it's like, hey, do I get – oh, sorry, sir, your name's not on the list. Hey, I'm on the sidelines. Nope, not for this. It's the 10 greatest players. You're not, <laughs> you know, halftime Super Bowl, that list is not very long, right? There are famous musicians mm-hmm. not playing the Super Bowl. Nope. Right? So you go to, 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 to Los Angeles, and, you know, I thought, and again, this is probably a biased, uh, you know, take for me. I thought it was pretty good. Why? It's kind of right in your wheelhouse. Uh, from you know people that were in the '90s, uh, 2000s. Uh, look, am I the biggest rap guy in the history of the world? No. Did I know all the songs they played? Pretty much all of them. <laughs> you know, last night, pretty much all of them could relate to it. And been something you and I were talking about as far as Super Bowls go. Considering who they had uh, as as the, as the talent, a lot of big personalities. It's pretty pretty straightforward and not over the top. You didn't have, you know, pyrotechnics going off. You didn't have people, you know, swinging from the rafters uh, on suspension wires and, you know, 2,000 dancers uh, on the ground. front. You didn't have some, but it was pretty laid back kind of halftime show, not over the top, and it was good. I mean, like, I, I think pretty much anybody can get into it. And you talk about the Super Bowl, you got to have something that has mass appeal. Does rap have mass appeal? It does. Does everybody like it? Not necessarily. Does everybody know those songs when they play them? Do they know the hook? Maybe they don't know the words. Maybe they just know the hook. The hook. That's enough to keep people. I thought it was good. I thought it was uh, you know well put together there uh, by all the artists they had involved, and, and certainly by the uh, the NFL productions there. I think I think sometimes Kevin, you get a layup, and uh, you you look at the situation with this uh, Super Bowl. You saying to yourself, okay, LA's holding the Super Bowl. What was the likelihood when they? Because I do know why you know the location. You don't know who it's going to be because right, you, yeah. you kind of let the you kind of let the mood of things. Okay, well, it's something you said, Kev. You talk about a list. There are there are artists, whether it's rap, R and B, contemporary, you know, country, that are you know big time artists. But when you start talking about global appeal, because everybody watches the Super Bowl, so you start saying to yourself, "Who do you get?" Well, Dr. Dre, man, I'm sorry, Dr. Dre transcend because people know him for two reasons: they know him for rap and they know him for beats by Dre. So you know him for two different things. All right, you start talking about Eminem. I'm sorry. You know who he is, even if you well, even if you don't listen to his music. Now you start talking about Snoop. Snoop, Snoop hasn't made an album in a while, but you see Snoop all the time on TV. You know he's into everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's doing. It's like he he's learned how to win the PR game without having to change his image. Kendrick Lamar. I mean, you know about him. You know about Mary J. Blige. You know, and obviously Kevin. I'm speaking to more my, my your, you know me and you uh uh you know uh, uh, age group or whatever, but. When you start thinking about L.A., it's so many ways you could have went with this thing. You say, what do we want to do? All right, man. Let's let's think about our audience. The NFL is going to have a younger audience watching, but you got all type of people consuming this product. 
So Snoop got it. All right, well, who's synonymous with Snoop? Dr. Dre. Who's synonymous with Dr. Dre? Eminem. Well, who did Eminem discover? 50 Cent. Well, where does Kendrick Lamar come? He's he's the he's the now artist. What about Mary J. Blige? Hey man, it's like you always want to appeal to the, you know, uh to the to the uh female demographic. Like all this stuff plays in, but then, like you're saying, Kevin, you know, they got songs that we saying now. That's what they really didn't mess up. Cause Dre got a lot of songs. Snoop has a freaking encyclopedia of songs. And you said, give them the ones that we hear all the time. Give us the ones that be jingles on commercials that you hear. And I, th- I think they got it right. Having 50, you know, 50 Cent when he first came out, the reason why he was hanging down, he sung in the club. That's how he was doing. He was hanging down. Like the, the commercial, I mean, the, 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 the music video, just like that. you see it, you hear Ghost Shout, and he just bends down. you like, uh, is, he, is he hanging from the ceiling? I think they got it right. And I'm, I do agree. I don't think it's the greatest uh, halftime show of all time. It's good. It's up there. But the recent bias is there. But I think, Kevin, you think about it, Kevin, something you said. We didn't need no different colors. We didn't need no explode. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't need any. You didn't need cinematic no effects. Yes, yeah. you didn't need anything. You had Dre at the end. Dre started it. Well, you had Snoop and you had Dre. And then at the end, I mean, Mary J. Blige and freaking uh, Fitness. And they literally sitting on the couch, like, watching Dre. Like, we got the best season. How they go Dre? They go Snoop. Kendrick Lamar did his part, so you you paid tribute to guys. When he said, "I've been, you know, been in the rap thirty years making rap, thirty years." I mean, we was we was looking at people's ages. I mean, that's, that's true because I was we were joking like somebody made a a great uh, great tweet. Cam, you'll appreciate this when you get to be Ben and Mine's age. But they said, "Hey, I, I appreciate the fact that the Super Bowl finally got with it and got rid of the Rolling Stones and the Who and stopped putting music out there for old people uh, at, at the Super Bowl." And then I thought about that for a second and said, wait a minute. I am the old people uh, at the Super Bowl now. Uh, uh, Dr. Dre is 56 years old. Like, Snoop is 50. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we are, like, the people who you, you yeah. call is it, you are the old people. They are putting the halftime show on. Now, 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 now like, let, let, let me go ahead and clarify something for you people. To, listen, me and, me, and, me and Kevin, we are not in the 50-somethings. <laughs> let me let's yeah, just, yeah. Let's just go ahead and put that yeah. up. But Dre, Dre been doing it for that long and I, I think sometimes, too, Kevin, we we don't think – a lot goes into a Super Bowl, man. Like, think about how nervous you are. You are part of the Super Bowl halftime committee. You got to put together – this is what – forget the songs, right? You're saying, I hope nothing go I – hope, I hope the audio doesn't go out. I hope the lights don't go out. I hope we got – I hope everything is good. I hope that it don't have a blackout on that. It's like a lot of a – lot of, so basically what you're nervous is, I just want to be a good show. And I like how they did it too with the, you know, with the props. They didn't do a whole bunch of craziness. Let the music speak for itself. It wasn't a lot of ambiance, a lot of crip walking going on. I liked it. It was all <laughs> over the place. But I will say this though, Kevin, we are appreciate we we appreciate for, for people who just appreciate good music, right? Good music goes a lot of ways, right? It, and the thing about it is, in a place like LA, where the stars align. You could have went a lot of ways. Like Kevin, we were talking about in Atlanta, they did Maroon 5. Like they, they didn't do Atlanta acts. So if you are Atlanta, if you Atlanta has a lot, a lot. From all kinds of genres. All kinds yeah. of genres. So I think they was like, well, man, because we don't want to offend a genre, we're just going to do Maroon 5. You're going to do Maroon 5? I, I would kind of rethink that. Oh, we already booked them. But yeah. I, I, th- I think it was good. I we think, got Adam I think, Levine taking his shirt off. That's what, <laughs> that's, I mean, that was awesome. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, just, I just think that they did it right. Like honoring, you know, honoring Dre. Um, you knew they were gonna start with California Love. Uh, you knew they were gonna do Snoop. I mean, you knew, you knew, I mean, you knew they was gonna do uh 
you know, we gonna be all right. Fifty Cent in the club was, you know, I mean, I mean, lose yourself. I mean, that's paying homage. Think about this. People say, well, why they do lose? You don't think you don't think it matters? Where's uh, Eminem is from Detroit? Matthew Stafford used to play for Detroit. I'm telling y'all, man, they trying to make sure they showing love. That's the, so I think I think they got it right. I think I think uh, with so many things, all I'm gonna say is this: the 2021 two bow. Y'all remember the weekend? The weekend was all. Listen, the weekend started off in the room. We can't even see him. All these people that he's on the field with, like I don't know, two hundred and fifty people running around. The weekend was tired as hell. He was like, "Look, man, y'all gonna have to give me some help." So, listen, I, I just love the weekend. I think he did a great job. But I do think Kevin, when you got different people doing their part, it don't make it seem like one person has it. Listen, man, I want to share the stage. It was good. Dre, Snoop. 50, Mary J, Kendra Lamar, you know, and obviously Eminem, man. Shout out to him, man. I think they all did a yeah, good hell of a job. I, again, I, I, it, was, it was really good. I, it was very, and again, for, for, what, for what I was expecting, it was very underplayed. I thought, like, like you said, there wasn't a whole lot of over-the-top production stuff that you maybe would have expected uh, potentially to have it going on. We got a lot to, to – obviously, we're going to be talking about that for a while because a lot of people really were, uh, were into it uh, there at the half. Certainly Super Bowl people talk about commercials. Ben, while we got a minute here. I thought it was a good year for for the spots, man. For for a lot of the ads in the Super Bowl, a lot of good ones. Give me your top two, though. You can only pick two. Give me your top two. My my my, my 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 number two is the NFL commercial. I think Kevin, the NFL said this is our show. You think we finna let any one of y'all outdo us? Now, what they did, you know, the previous year with the whole in the, with the cake and having all the stars. I mean, how can we take it to another level? Let's make them all cartoons. What? And it, and it was well done. Dion and Peyton Manning and all these different things. I think it was great. My number one, listen, Peyton Manning just won't go away. When he's sitting there <laughs> and him and Jimmy Bowling, they're sitting there bowling and he's beating everybody. He got the orange ball to kind of represent University of Tennessee. I, I caught that little and then everybody looked and the GOAT came in there. That would be Serena. And everybody, like, isn't it funny how you're supposed to be competing against everybody like this? Yeah, you about to get that thing now. Then Eve Peyton was like, what? Man, who invited her? So I, I thought that was a – it was some great commercial, but I thought those two uh, kind of stood yeah, out Yeah, there was me. a bunch of good ones. I will say my number two, I believe it was the uh, – the uh, for the – a lot of electric vehicle ads in there, but I think this was the uh, the Chevy ad uh, that was the Sopranos throwback. Uh, I was big into the Sopranos, and it kind of like copied the opening sequence of the Sopranos, and I even turned to somebody at the end because – uh, it was Meadow Soprano, the, uh, the the girl that played Meadow Soprano on the show, was the one driving the car, and she gets out and plugs her car in, and I believe it was in front of the restaurant that ended the series. So, like, the, at the end of the, 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 the series, she's running into a restaurant, and if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, and Tony looks up, that was the restaurant she parked the car out in front. I'm like, oh, man, they got it all tied in here for the ad. Good job. My number one uh, was right there with you, Ben. I, I think it was actually, ironically enough, the best ad of the night was by the league. The I was sitting in a room full of folks, span the span the spectrum of age. I had my kids sitting right there. I was you know obviously much older than my kids, and so as like everybody's like, man, that was a fun, just a fun ad. Yep. Like my kids are sitting there laughing, like oh it's fun, and, and and they're like oh it's Devontae. Like they know all the players, they know all the, the and so you have them come out of the TV, they're tearing stuff up. Put, pushing up. Listen, if you weren't time. if you weren't on the commercial, listen, if you want to know, hey man, am I pushing the product? Did you still have a commercial? Yeah, because they had Kyler Murray, they had Gronk, they had Devontae Adams. I mean, they had a bunch of cats. They had Dion, Walter Payton. Man, oh my God, well, I said, I said sweetness. Hey, listen, man, you listen. The NFL knows its demographic. It knows its product. I think it is the best commercial. And I, of yeah, all the commercials. and again, I just thought they did a tremendous job with it. And again, 
And then you have, you know, grandma at the end go, it's football, man. It's just football. Like, they have what, like they come into the house all tore up. He goes, just football. And I, I thought that was so well done where the kids are watching on TV, and then it comes out of the TV into their living room. Just a fantastic, fantastic spot there. That was my number one of the night. We want to hear yours. Give us a shout, 912-342-7184. You can hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. We are streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com. All gear three and out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. We'll hear from DJ Shockley coming up in just a little bit. We'll get his thoughts on the quarterbacking in last night's Super Bowl and more 912-342-7184. We'd love to have you on. What was your favorite part of the Super Bowl? What ad maybe was the best? Ben and I gave you our top two. What were your top two of the night? We'd love to hear from you here on the show. But Ben, after watching last night, I know a lot of times people say, especially players like, I can't watch it. Can't watch Super Bowl because I wish that was me. I want to be in the Super Bowl. So that being said, if you're the Falcons, man, and you're sitting there watching these two teams going, all right, how do we get back to that point? You got to go all in. And the one thing, the one theme you kept hearing all night last night was this is, hey, man, these guys are going all in. Guys are going all in. Guys are going all in. I mean, you know, you already had the building blocks of Aaron Donald. You already had the building blocks of Cooper Cup. You go out there and you add uh, Matthew Stafford. Well, you already got that in the Matty Ice. You got to go out there and add another piece with the, with the Falcons. I mean, uh, at, at, uh, you know, they went out there and they added Von Miller. Uh, I'm sorry, with the with the Rams, they went out there and added Von Miller. They added Eric Weddle, even though it was in the playoffs. They added, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey. I think when you are the Falcons, you got to say the first thing you got to do, you got to get a you got to get a number one receiver in the offseason. You got to get a you got to get a receiver in the draft. You got to go out there and get you a running back. And then just like uh, you know, um, Cincinnati does not have a offensive line, you have to address your defensive line if you are Atlanta. If you are serious about getting the best out of Matty Ice, Matty Ice has one. Maybe two years left in Atlanta. You go, you're gonna say, "Hey, man, how do we maximize this?" Terry Fontenot, you help build that infrastructure in New Orleans. So how do you go out there and get guys? You got to go out there. And, you got to add some pieces to go to go out there with Jared. You got to get better at the D line. You got a linebacker uh, last year that was, I think, number one in the National Football League in tackles. So I think Kevin, you know, you you've seen the blueprint. You you got it. You got you know you know uh, Matthews and those guys. You know, on the offensive line, y'all going to have to keep Matty Ice, you know, upright. Uh, y'all going to have to, but like I said, got to get a running back. Got to get a number one receiver in free agency, and you, you need to get a you get, you get need to get a big-time receiver in the draft. You're going to have to address that defensive line. And, unfortunately, you're going to have to find an alpha dog out there in the uh, in free agency that's willing to take maybe less money, but they get to be a focal point to kind of add to that defense. Because say what you want, Jalen Ramsey plays with a mentality that you like. He's the guy to say, look, man, I'm, I'm the number one. Co- I think I'm the number one uh, DB in the league. I want a number one receiver, regardless of what you like or dislike about me. So you need to bring somebody that had that comes that comes with an attitude. And if you don't think one guy helps reshape the entire dynamic of a team, Matthew Stafford, added a quarterback. You already have some building blocks. Robert Woods get hurt. You add Odell Beckham Jr., who got hurt in the first half, and you still win it. So I think uh, you add some pieces on the offense. That being that receiver. And running back, you get you some D lineman, and maybe Kevin, you get you an alpha dog. But listen, and maybe it's a JJ Watt who's at the end of their career. You want to give them the last kind of big contract they're gonna get. They kind of bring to say, "Hey man, you in the, you the NFC South? No Tom Brady, no Drew Brees, no Sean Payton. Not worried about Carolina. Not really. You know, I mean, I, I you know, you, obviously you gotta you gotta still find it. You gotta you got a good a shot as any in twenty twenty two to kind of right the ship. Again and, and again, people will point to it and say, "Look at how quickly." Uh, Cincinnati turned it around, and they went out and they kind of, I don't want to say they went all in, but they went against the grain when people said pick an offensive line, pick offensive line, and they still got there. 
Does that mean they were correct? I mean, you got there with Jamar Chase and not getting, uh, you know, an offensive lineman. Does that mean they were correct because they got in that position? Or should they still, at the end of the day, said, look, you still gave up 16 sacks in two playoff games. That's a problem. So I look at the Falcons and say, what's your problem? Matt Ryan gets hit too much and their defense is bad. Well, that, that we saw that on display a little bit last night. Cincinnati quarterback gets hit too much. Matt Stafford didn't. And that defense was pretty darn good. <laughs> so if you're if you're Atlanta, I'm sitting there thinking, protect Matt Ryan with everything you got. Yes. Obviously, I think if you're going to spend spend on some weapons offensively and defensively, uh, Ben, but probably more so for the Falcons offensively. Uh, I just don't know. Again, we've been saying get after the quarterback for a decade and a half with the Atlanta Falcons, and so far they found it one time, and the one time they found it, they did go to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and then it went away again. <laughs> well, so, well, well. I mean, well, Kevin, well, think about this. We talked about this. Look at, the, look at the theme of the last two Super Bowls. I know we're going to make it about the quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford and, you know, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Which team will block? Oh, that would be oh, – oh, well, well, this year it was um, – I mean, I don't – I know that I know, I know Andrew Whitworth, you know, uh, the offensive lineman, the left tackle, 16-year vet on the offensive line for, uh, for the Rams. I don't know nobody else. I don't know no other offensive lineman, Right. I don't know none of the offensive line for Cincinnati, but they don't want you to know who they are. At this point, they do not want you to know who they are. So, but you saw you saw a theme like, two years ago. Shaq Barrett, JPP, JP, Jason Pierre-Paul, they they turned them loose on the two tackles for Kansas City. Kansas City loses, right? This year, right? This year, the entire offensive lineman they cannot block the defensive lineman led by that that monster Aaron Donald. And some you say, Kevin, a healthy quarterback gives you a better shot to win. If Matty Ice every time he throws is getting him off the ground somebody's getting him off the ground Matty Ice is closer to 40 right than 30 because he's not aging backwards right you got to protect him first and and that has to be first and foremost that has to be first and foremost because I know we're gonna get to Matthew Stafford Matty Ice regular season MVP took you to a Super Bowl so we've seen what he's while Drew Brees was in his division by the the way so it's not like it's not you know so I do think that you you address you you keep him upright you give him some weapons you give him a defensive line because it seems to be Kevin when you got a good defensive line it really doesn't matter if you got a guy I don't know named Eric Weddle who had been who had been you know uh, on the couch for two years who tore his who tore his freaking peck I think he might have tore his peck or tore his uh, shoulder that still had to play so protect Matty Ice give him some weapons add to that D-line and I think you can compete in the NFC South right away yeah, and again, Falcons fans would love to see it because, again, uh, it's that cautionary tale. We've talked about this. We'll talk about it later on the show as well where people just sit here and they go, oh, Cincinnati, man, it's uh, you know Joe Burrow, Jabbar Chase, they're young, they got it, and they're going to add pieces. Everybody always says, oh, we're going to add pieces. Falcons were in the Super Bowl not that long ago. They also looked like they had a number of people coming back. Like, hey, we just need to add a few pieces. and we'll be good. Have they even sniffed? Not even just the Super Bowl. Have they even sniffed the playoffs no, since then? No, And to me, that's how fragile it is. Uh, if you're Atlanta, you got to protect the guy distributing the rock. That was apparent uh, over the last uh, last four quarters last night. And I think if the Falcons could do that, as you said, they, they could take a big step forward uh, moving ahead here into 2022. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out. Love to hear from you at Pigskin Radio. You can hit us up on Twitter, uh, 912-342-7184. You can call us, be a part of the show as we – Roll through the Super Bowl here. DJ Shockley will join us in about 15 minutes right here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Log here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, a lot to get to coming up in hour number two. DJ Shockley will join us. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on the quarterback play there in the Super Bowl. And 
kind of get inside the mind of a quarterback receiver relationship there with obviously Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup said this drive is ours to go win the Super Bowl uh, last night. So we'll talk to him about that coming up in just a little bit. But Ben, players and MLB, uh, they they met over the weekend. Owners did put out a uh, proposal. Players said no, no deal. And they met for less than two hours on Saturday, and we'll find out whenever it is they're supposed to meet uh, uh, again. So pitchers and catchers set to start spring training. Depending on where you are, maybe tomorrow or Wednesday, uh, this week as they start triggering, that's obviously not going to happen. But coming off a week where you just had the Super Bowl, a lot of stuff, now if people start focusing their attention elsewhere, if you're MLB and the Players Association, if the reports are out there, and we know about at least, what, three meetings, one back in December was like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. They met for a couple hours a few weeks ago, met for less than two hours on Saturday. Does that sound like you're hammering out deals in, in less than two I know... I know you got the old, hey, I, I, I make multi-million dollar deals over breakfast. Well, maybe you need to have lunch. And maybe you need to have dinner. Uh, because two hours for a five to six, seven year labor deal doesn't seem to be enough to get it done. And if there's one thing, again, Ben, I keep going back to you. In today's climate, not playing is unacceptable to your customers. And your customers would be the people who pay the tickets to come watch, and the networks who pay money to put your product out. And obviously, they'll be all right not having to pay you, but they want your product, and you aren't giving it to them. Figure it out. That's all. Again, if you start missing games, people say, man, NBA's about to get to the playoffs. This uh, this hockey thing's pretty interesting. This, uh, this new spring league that's hopping up for USFL, that's, that's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll watch a little golf. Maybe find other things to do. But it doesn't sound like they're serious either side. Now, I'll put blame on both sides mm-hmm. about staying in the room long enough to get something done. It definitely doesn't sound like the owners are serious about it. I mean, like you said, Kevin, think about it. One, one, one part of this is what they do all the time. They're talking about deals, TV deals, uh, you know, marketing deals, advertising deals, just different ways to make money all the time. They, they used to sit. But the problem is, the problem is, these owners are used to being the ones that people can't wait to negotiate with. These, 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 these TV networks, these sponsor dollars, these marketing dollars. When it comes, but guess what? Why are these marketing dollars and these, and these TV dollars? Why do? Why are they endorsing your product? Because of Mike Trout, because of Harper, and we get the faces. But the thing about it is, is two hours, two hours. So when people say, "Hey, man, the players aren't serious," no, the players are. The players are the ones that told the owners we're not doing the arbitration stuff. We want to talk to y'all. The owners were the ones who want to do a third party because they're getting sick of dealing with the players. Well, I'm sorry, man. If at the end of the day we know what our worth is. It's not like back in the day. You know, I mean, uh, and I think and I think sometimes, Kevin, when it comes to these owners, let's face it, these are billionaires. They're not used to being told no. They're not used to being told that ain't enough. They're not used to being told that ain't good enough. They're not used to being told we don't want that. Well, guess what, Kevin? We've we've all had some level of negotiation. They ain't at the same level. If it comes time for you to get a promotion, Kevin, you you want a certain dollar amount. And if they and you want a certain now, I'm willing to adjust, but if you just say no, what do you mean no? Well, so we'll see what happens, Kevin, but it doesn't give me a lot of you know, uh, excitement moving forward that he's only going to do anything to kind of get this thing rolling. Yeah, look, and I, 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 as a baseball fan, want him to get it done. But I think at the end of the day, if both parties end up rolling around in the pigsty, you're both going to come out smelling like something. And it's not going to be roses. Because at the end of the day, I think, when it, just like I said, with the pandemic stuff that could get worked out, at the end of the day, people are going to say enough, figure it out. I dislike both of you right now. 
We got more to come. Three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Back here, hour two. Three and out, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you are with us here on this Monday, day after the Super Bowl. We'll get to uh, take three coming up in just a little bit. But joining us here on the program, he's former Georgia quarterback and Atlanta Falcons quarterback, DJ Shockley, stepping in here on three and out. DJ, welcome to the show. How are you? Man, I was good, man. Doing well. Uh, just coming back to Vegas, and uh, my dog's having a good year. Me and Troop were just talking about it. So, uh, yeah, man, all is well, man. I hope you guys are good, too. Hey, we're good, DJ. Ben loves nothing more than talking about the success <laughs> that the Georgia players are having here in, tw- in 2022. We love talking about it on the on the show. But uh, you mentioned the Georgia player, Matt Stafford, uh, first and foremost there. Again, it wasn't Brady v. Mahomes like we had last year, but Burrow v. Stafford. Pretty good quarterback matchup coming into the game. How do you think, from a quarterback standpoint, this thing went off last night? You know what I think? It was everything that you expected. I, I think coming to this game, everybody expected Stafford to continue playing at the level he played in the playoffs. And I think it's the reason why they were in the Super Bowl because of the way Nye just played, you know, in the regular season, but also uh, in the playoffs. And even during this ball game when, you know, they had a couple of interceptions, he had the one, you know, coming out of the halftime and, the next series, he takes him right back down the field. That's a stopper that I think everybody is expected to see since he was taken in a number one overall pick. And then you look on the other side, another number one overall pick, and Burrow has been pretty much everything that you want coming into this season. And even in the playoffs, he's kind of wheeled that, that Bengals team to the Super Bowl. And, you know, everybody talked about how the offensive line was a little shaky uh, throughout the entire season. But Burrow's ability to be able to create and make some plays and continue to fight and continue to keep that team in it. And I think a lot of people probably thought the Rams would win by, you know, 10, 17 points maybe. But Burrow has continued to be that gunslinger and kept him in it uh, throughout the whole offseason. I mean, all, all whole season and then going into the playoffs. D-Shock, when you think about a guy like Matthew Stafford, I think sometimes we forget the fact that, some, you know, it's, it's about having staying power. I mean, being not arguably the – the best player not named Barry Sanders and obviously, uh, you know, Calvin Johnson in Detroit. But to be able to have a guy like Sean McVay who said, look, I can win with this dude. I think if I can get a chance to get this guy, what does that mean to you as a quarterback to have a coach and say, look, man, we think you are the missing piece because the last time they was in the Super Bowl had Robert Woods, no Cooper Cup. This time, no Robert Woods with Cooper Cup, and you see the end result. Yeah, man, I, I think you go all the way back to – the quote-unquote coup that they had out in Cabo, uh, I think McVay knew that if I had a guy of his caliber running my offense, he absolutely is the piece. And we saw it this year. I think he had extreme confidence in Stafford. And I think uh, if you heard, you know, I'm talking about it last night, McVay say, listen, they knew in the second half, they knew in that fourth quarter, we were going to have to throw the football. And he knew in that last drive, I was going to put this in my hands of my quarterback. And that's what you do with a franchise guy. You give him the keys to the ship, and you say, look, go win us the ball game." And he did that. His relationship with Cooper Cup, everybody knows, has been crazy this year. But the fact that Stafford had an opportunity to be around a team that complimented him just as well. And I think you've seen the talent in Detroit. We knew he was talented, obviously going on number one, and then, you know, having the talent uh, in Detroit. Uh, but he needed some other pieces around him. He needed some guys that can go make those plays for him. And then you add that to a good defense, it just was the perfect storm for the L.A. Rams, and they showed it so, man. I was extremely happy for my for my guy, Stafford. Um, I got my boy Thomas Brown, who's the running backs coach uh, for the Rams. Nick Jones, he was also the offensive line assistant coach there. And then, uh, obviously, Leonard Floyd on the defensive side. So, truth, the dogs were everywhere for the Rams, baby. 
Now, D-Shock, I mean, even even with that, I mean, I think sometimes, um, you know, being guys that you've played with before, you, you know, you follow their career because I think – the one thing that they don't tell us is we rise and fall with them. We we sinking and swimming with them. We want the the, the the highs, the lows. When you look at a guy like Matthew Stafford, we talked about this with Stetson Bennett and the, and these Hollywood scripts, man. I mean, y'all got one and y'all got the Hollywood script, you know, uh, for the national championship. Now you got literally the Hollywood script in Hollywood <laughs> with a guy like Matthew Stafford. Just how much do it feel good for you just ha- just knowing him and playing the same position, going to the same school, knowing that sometimes, man, you get the Joe Burrows, you get the uh, the Brock, you get the Ben Roethlisberger. They do it real early, but do you got a guy like Matthew Stafford? Say, Look, man, I'm gonna have to have staying power, and I'm gonna have to and I'm gonna have to see this thing to the uh, to the forefront. Yeah, no doubt, and I think that's a, a big credit to him, knowing that I'm sure it was tough to leave, you know, the city of Detroit, and you know, I mean, leave Detroit for everything that uh, he did there. Obviously, he was a big part of what they did there, and you mentioned it. Barry Sanders was probably one of the biggest, you know, names out of there. Calvin was one of the biggest names, and Stafford obviously did a lot of great things there, but he knew he had to get out of that situation if he wanted his career, quote-unquote, like you mentioned, to stay in power to be there because the longer he stayed in Detroit, the longer he fell from what people thought is a really good player. Oh, yeah, he went number one overall, but – Never really panned out. Took him to the playoffs, never won a playoff game, never really panned out that number one pick. But now he goes and he puts his own career in his own hands and says, look, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to a place with a guy who I know can, can call a good game, can put us in positions to win. I got great pieces around me. Now it's my chance to show that, hey, I am what everybody thought I was coming out of that number one pick. So it's been cool to watch him, man. i tell you a quick story. When I was uh, – my last year was 05, and Stafford came in in 06. And I remember coming back to a game that next year. It was like six, seven game of the season. And, you know, I'm on the sideline, and Stafford, you know, it's the middle of the ball game. And all he wants to do is just pepper me with questions about the NFL. What's it like? Can you give me a play call? What kind of stuff do you guys do on a weekly basis? And this is him as a true freshman. And that tells you right there, this guy had a mindset of, I know I'm going to the league. But I want to be prepared for it. I know I'm going to the league, but what is it like? And you could tell he was always ready for that moment, that experience, and that opportunity. And now you see it, you know, 13 years later with the Rams, he's got a chance to solidify himself. And he did that last night by getting him a Super Bowl win in Hollywood. DJ Shockley Jordan is here on 3 Now. DJ, you talk about the, the, the quarterback having that confidence, but explain to, for, to, to us kind of how you develop that rapport with a receiver because you get the – the ball last there, that last offensive possession for, for the Rams. Obviously, no Odell Beckham to kind of balance out uh, the defense and give him somebody else to worry about. But Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, targeted Cooper Cup seven times out of the last 15 plays in that final drive. What kind of report do you have to have with a, uh, with a guy to say, listen, it's coming to you, everybody knows it's coming to you, and we're going to make a play? Yeah, the bottom line is trust. That's the number one word. When you have a quarterback and a receiver that are on the same page, and they both understand what needs to happen and what must happen, the trust is built throughout the entire year. There is a time that nobody ever sees where you're up in early in the morning, 6, 7 in the morning watching film, or you're staying late on the practice field to work on two or three routes versus this coverage, or working on two or three routes versus this leverage, or understanding if I get this situation that this guy is going to be in his spot regardless of the moment of the game. And I think that's what makes it so special is in those big moments late in the ball game, Stafford had the trust in him to let that football go. You think about that last drive 
and they have to hit the big end cut to Cooper Cup, and there's three, four guys in that area, and Stafford lets the football go before he even gets to that second window where he catches that big dig route. That's trust. That's knowing that my guy's going to get to the proper depth. He's going to come in there screaming. He's going to come flat down that line, and he's going to make that play. The, the, the back shoulder touchdown throw, I mean, it's an unbelievable play because you got to trust that your guy is not going to the pylon. He's running to a spot, but also he's going to find the football enough time to adjust to it. Those things just don't come off just, you know, oh, this guy's going to go out and play. They put in the quality time when people never see it, and then you got the truck in game throughout the season that I know that this guy's going to be there, and whenever I throw it, this guy's going to come down with it or somebody it's going to be incomplete. So it's all about the trust, and you can tell they've had that all year long with the success they had. And, D-Shock, what about the trust you have within yourself? I mean, it's one thing to make those throws uh, to a guy like Cooper Cup who put together a – you know, a season for the ages, a season we've never seen from a receiver. But to trust yourself to say, all right, we all, if you're if you're a basketball player, you sitting at your house saying three, two, one with the last shot. If you're a baseball player, look, man, I want to be on the mound, you know, uh two outs, you know, on two count, but you know, I got the I got the you know, I got the game time run on second. If you are the, you are Matthew Stafford, you're a guy that played the position, what is it like knowing, all right, here it is. It's for everything. Everybody's gonna be watching. My whole entire career comes down to this drive. Where does that trust come from for you knowing that even if I don't have a Cooper Cup, I'm going to put us in a position to go, out, to go down there and win this thing? True. Here's the crazy thing about it. If you have ever played that position, you have already made that play in your brain. You've already made that play in your mind. You've thought about it years before you even got to this. You've thought about it, like you mentioned, when you're at home and he's at Highland Park, Texas, and he's eight years old and he's thinking about, all right, I got one drive to take my team down and win the Super Bowl. Now when you get in that situation, you've already done it. Now you're like, okay, let's go do it. I know what this is going to be like. I know what I have to do. And then you think about it for a guy like Stafford. This is your 13. This guy is thinking, I may not ever get to this spot again. I've been through this 12 years, hadn't won a playoff game. Now i got an opportunity to go win the game, and here it is. got this opportunity to be great. Everybody wants to say, hey, Maybe you can go out. Maybe you can do it. Maybe you can't do it. Maybe this is a situation where you turn into a folk hero. Well, guess what? I got the opportunity. As a quarterback, every quarterback wants that football in his hand, especially if he is a major competitor. He wants the football in his hands at the end of the ball game and say, listen, lean on me. I'm the guy you can depend on. I'm the guy that you want to have the football. And that's what every quarterback who has anything about himself will say and will do. And I'm sure Stafford at that moment was relishing in the opportunity to say, guess what? Everything else is irrelevant. Whatever's happened in my past, whatever happens before this ball game, I got a chance to rewrite my entire career with this drive. And if I'm him, if I'm any other quarterback, I am excited and I cannot wait to have this opportunity. So to have that moment, I think was unbelievable for him to go down and do it. And Burrow was in the same spot, had an opportunity to go do it. Had a good play by Chase and just, you know, Aaron Donald took over and, and made it quite impossible to do that. But he was probably thinking the exact same thing as a competitor. He's been there, done that. And for Stafford, he had that opportunity, and he went out and he finished it. I was going to say, DJ, to that other side, Joe Burrow has never not come through uh, in elimination games up until up until last night. If you're Joe Burrow after uh, this playoff run, what are you telling your front office uh, here when you, you recap the season after in two of the four playoff games you were sacked for a total of 16 times? Yeah, bro, that's the one thing that I think that's absolutely going to be in the brain 
of Joe Burrow. I mean, you think about going back to the last draft, the number one concern was do you get somebody to protect Joe Burrow or do you get him a playmaker? And you went out, you got Jamar Chase, and that absolutely worked out for you. But then it also didn't because you got sacked a bunch of times. I think going into this offseason with what they have coming back with the quarterback they know they have in place, you have to protect him. You got to give him time. I don't know if you guys have seen the video, but they showed a video of the last play of the game where Aaron Donald gets the sack. If Donald doesn't get that sack, or if it takes a half a second longer, they show where on the outside Jamar Chase had made Jalen Ramsey fall, and he was on the outside running wide open. If he has a half a second longer to see it, the ball game is different. The Cincinnati Bengals will be the Super Bowl champs today. But just because you have a guy up front who takes over and gets to the quarterback, and usually that's what it's all about. Can our guy beat your guy, and can we get home before you beat us? And that's where a lot of teams – have kind of changed the, the blueprint of that we got some guys up front who can get to the quarterback, we can, you know, kind of ease off on the back end and maybe have subpar average guys. Now, I'm not saying Jalen Ramsey is that, but I'm saying to the fact of if you got a guy who can win up front, but if you have guys who can protect up front, that gives you an opportunity for your guys to win on the back end. So I think absolutely they got to go and find those two or three franchise guys up front that can protect your franchise quarterback or even serviceable guys that can give him chances because – there's, there's not many quarterbacks ever who will survive getting sacked the many times that Joe Burrow was this season. And D-Shock, man, we played football a long time. I mean, when you think about the fact that but – but most of us never, ever get those championship moments. You had your moment, you know, in the SEC championship game. You was able to put it together, walk away the SEC championship offensive MVP. You look at a guy like Matthew Stafford, he didn't walk away with the MVP, but he was on the game when he was on the uh, – he was on the uh, the winning team and obviously Cooper Cup. But what is that feeling like to know and say, look – Man, this is the moment. This is what I played for. I made, I helped my team get here. And to be that last team standing, where it be in the SEC, whether it be in the National Football League, most of us only watch it. We never, ever get to experience. Man, what is that feeling like? It's unbelievable. It's something that you never forget, regardless of how long uh, you get away from the game or how long something happens. It's something that nobody can ever take away from you. I think that's one of the most, thing, most important things that you remember is you remember the group of guys you did it with, and for us as athletes, too, you know, it, it takes a lot to get to that moment. It takes a lot for you think about the early morning workouts, you know, in, in the summer. You work about, you know, the spring early workouts, and then you get to that, you know, end of the season, and these guys talk about everything they took to get there. I mean, you talk about playing, you know, 20-plus games, including the preseason, to culminate into one game with these guys in this moment, and it's something that nobody will ever take away from you. And now the Rams can say absolutely they are part of that uh, unique integrity where they say we get, we got it done, and that's the most important thing. DJ Shockley, Jordan is here on three and out, and DJ finally, if you're Atlanta, I asked Ben this earlier. Get your thoughts uh, if you're Atlanta and you look at the two teams that were just there. How do you get back there? Well, I think it's similar to what we talked about with Cincinnati. They got to find guys to protect Matt Ryan. Uh, he was at the top of that list with Joe Burrow with. Uh, the amount of people that were sacked, the amount of people that were uh, hit on the quarterback, and Matt Ryan was pressured a lot in the ballgame. Now, you don't know what's going to happen with Calvin really, but you have to get another piece on the outside to complement Kyle Pitts. That's a big part of having a really good offense. And, you know, Arthur Smith has always had a pretty good run game. This year it was a, you know, hodgepodge of Cordell Patterson running here at times, being a twist army knife, and then also you use Mike Davis. So I think you got to find another complementary piece 
you have to be able to protect Matt Ryan, number one, because he's your franchise guy. He's already said that he's going to be coming back for the next season. So find guys to protect him. And ultimately, it's what we just saw in the Super Bowl. you got to have some dogs up front on the defensive line. The Falcons have struggled to get to the quarterback the last, I don't know, four or five years. They have been trying to get guys that can rush the quarterback. A guy who came from the Rams, Dante Fowler, who a lot of people thought would be that guy, has just not panned out for the Falcons. You got Grady Jarrett who pushes from the middle, which is really great, is a really good player. You need somebody else on the outside. So edge pressure is number one and being able to push the quarterback and protect the quarterback. So those line of scrimmages are going to be really critical for the Falcons coming up if they want to make a run at it. And obviously they have a big, big opportunity because of what's going on in the NFC South. And they may be the most veteran team coming out of the NFC South coming into this season. And with as many of them as are in the draft, uh, DJ, they can literally have some dogs uh, on the defensive line if they work in the draft just right. So I see what you did there. I... <laughs> <laughs> DJ Shockley, our guest here on uh, 3 and Out. DJ, appreciate it, man. Thanks much. All right, man. Appreciate it. True. Appreciate the book, man. I'm coming and I'm finished. I can't wait to start on it, brother. Hey, listen, man. I appreciate you. Listen, I appreciate you giving me that address, man. I hope you enjoyed it. Look, I, listen. I sent you mine, and when you and when yours come out, hey, man, you you know I'm looking forward to return that favor. No doubt. I appreciate you, man. Y'all be good, bro. Y'all have a good week. Will do. DJ Shockley, our guest here on Three and Out. We're coming right back all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to be here with you on this Monday, day after the Super Bowl. Rams beat the Bengals twenty-three to twenty. We'll talk more about that. What did it do for Matt Stafford? Uh, last night to get that Super Bowl win. Also, Max Starks will join us, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll talk about uh, those big uglies up front and what they did and did not do and what the guys on the other side did and did not do uh, last night as well. But thanks to DJ Shockley, we had to bump take three back a little bit. Let's take three now here on 3 and Out. All right, Ben, take one. How would you rate the officiating in the Super Bowl? And I don't mean that as like, hey, let's hate all the, the official wear, but... They kind of let them play early, let some stuff go, missed some things, and then it seemed like in the fourth quarter, started calling it real tight. Uh, I give it a I give it a safe performance, Kevin, uh, because the reason, I think it's something you said. It's like we forget. I mean, the pressure is on everybody out there, not just the coaches, not just the play calls, not just the, not just the players. If you are a ref, I'm pretty sure they come and say, "Look, man, we gonna kind of like let this thing." Because we talk about this, we talk about the no call. That was that of T. Higgins when he pulled Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, it was it was a couple of times that uh, the clock, the, the play clock had ran out and they didn't call the delay of game. Uh, we talk about the scuffle that was on the sideline when uh, when uh, Aaron when Aaron uh, Aaron Donald pushed Joe Burrow with a little scuffle on. So I think the refs was like, look, man, because of, and I gotta say this because the because of the you know presence of social media, everything is blown up to where we don't want they didn't want to be that one saying, look, man. We're going to just let him play. We Andrew, go, now, your guy did get a, uh, a penalty when he wasn't even playing. Oh, yeah, oh my God. I got to give my honorable mention. Okay, so the, 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 the guy that ran out on the field, that had on the flip-flops, that was not even active, his name, first name Vernon, last name Hargraves. He's Vernon Hargraves uh, the third. He played VH3. He played in my alma mater, the University <laughs> of Florida. Great player. Super excited. And I'm not saying that Vernon Hargraves didn't do what everybody wanted to do, but you can't. Like Vernon, you got you got a penalty and you didn't even play. So yeah. I, I that's th- the football that was, equivalent of how you going to get fired on, on your day, day off. off. Exactly, it's, <laughs> it's like you was moving boxes. They saw you on. They saw you on the. But I, I will say, uh, I do. I the reason why I say, uh, you know, I kind of like moderate 
safe because Kevin, like you said, I can only imagine because if you this is you know this is the same um no this officiating crew you, out of all the officials you the ones got selected do the Super Bowl. Now it's gonna be a lot of scrutiny. It's gonna be a lot of missed calls. It's gonna be a lot of calls they feel as though probably shouldn't have been called. But I, you know, all in all, um, it's it's almost good that the freaking uh, Rams did win because if they lose and the T Higgins touchdown, but then I go back to the I go back to the call that probably shouldn't have been called. When you got the freaking linebacker going one on one against Cooper Cup, I mean you called like the you know the uh uh you call the PI you know pass come on man you got the best receiver in the in the league this year going up against the linebacker he's like what. What kind of defense is this? Y'all got me on the number three receiver who just happens to be the triple crown winner. So certain calls I think they kind of missed. Certain calls I think they kind of made. But all in all, I give them I give them a, a safe, moderate subpar because I, I you know I wouldn't want to be the one making them calls. I think they basketball officiated this thing last night, and I'll, I'll explain to you what I mean because you hear this all the time in basketball, and it drives me nuts. Where they're like, "Hey man, it's a big game. We're gonna let them play early." And then when it gets late, we're going to tighten up. No, just call it the same way the whole game. If it's a Super Bowl and you're going to let them play, let them play to the start. And I feel like towards the end of the game, they started going, uh-oh, big moment. We we got to call it. We can't let one slide and potentially cost somebody the game. But I actually thought on the uh, the, the whole defensive holding, I, I, when they called it, I was I was talking to somebody. I said, I think they actually should have called it the play before yeah. and not that play. It, yeah. was, it was worse to play before, and it really wasn't that bad and it, than it was on the play you called. So I really – I think they kind of did it where you hear officials in basketball sometimes say, look, we'll let it go early. We have basketball whistles, then we have fourth quarter whistles where it's like we can't let that go in, in, a, in a tight ball game. And I, I really wish they hadn't done that. All in all, I think they did okay. They established early, we're going to let it play. They had kind of, a, as you said, Ben, a couple of delay of games weren't called. There was a play early where a couple of Rams rode, uh, might have been Joe Burrow or a uh, player out of bounds, and somebody hit him like three or four feet out of bounds and fell on top of him. No call. I'm like, okay, they're going to let him play. As you said, shoved Joe Burrow out of bounds. He was still in bounds, but gave him maybe a harder shove than the Bengals like. A little skirmish on the sideline. No flags, no offsetting, no nothing. And then you get down late in the game, and all of a sudden, up, oh, you're tugging the jersey a little bit like, bro, this has been going on all game, and you have not been calling it. Don't start calling it now. And they did. That's really my only gripe. Outside of that, you didn't really know the officials were out there, which is a good thing when it comes down to the Super Bowl. All right, Ben, moving along, take two, given how that game ended. And, again, there's varying people who would say, nope, you're still wrong. But does good defense still beat good offense every day? Absolutely. Absolutely. I give you the 2000 Ravens. I give you the 2002 Tampa Bay Bucks. I give you the 2013 Seattle Seahawks. I think it was the 2015 um, uh, Denver Broncos. I think so. I, I give you I give you the 2021 or well, the 2020 uh, Tampa Bay Bucks defense. Levante David, Devin White, Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, Adamigan Sue, JPP, Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea. Of course it does. Because I think what happens is we've gotten spoiled with all with this wide open, uh, you know, uh, wide open offenses. I mean, scoring a bunch of points, going up and down the field. But when a defensive line led by the best defensive player on the planet says, that's it. It's funny how all these gimmicks and all these different, you know, these great play callers, that stuff work, you know, when you can block. When you can't block those four guys in front of you, they give you five to block four, and you still can't get it done. I just think that, Kevin, it was a clinic that was being put on yesterday. Because, listen, we this is what we do. We watch the quarterback, and we're looking at what he's looking at. We're looking downfield. Sack. We're looking at the receivers because we even push the ball. Nope. Running for his life. 
And you can't appreciate that. Like, if you are a D-line coach or a defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, by the way, uh, former uh, Tampa Bay uh, Bucks head coach, former D- former defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. That's true, yeah. Um, and interim head coach. I think yes, he yes. over when Dan Quinn yes. got fired. I, yeah. I think what happens is, you know, Kevin, it comes back to fundamentals. You know, we want to, we, we we do all these things. Oh, oh, we got all these exotic offenses, man. We got all, you know, we're going to get them with with uh, pre-snap uh, movement. We're going to get them with, uh, you know, trying to outflank the defense. Quarterback can't, quarterback. I I, I go back to something D, uh, DJ Shockley said uh previous segment. I, I told you about this. There was a play that if, if if Joe Burrow has time, that's a touchdown to Joe Burrow. I mean, that's a touchdown to Jamar Chase because, you know, uh, Jalen Ramsey had failed. Should have, could have, would have. It doesn't matter. And I think about that. If we go back and we watch every time a quarterback was pressured or sacked, look at guys who are open. Oh, my God, if he could. Can't see him. So, yes, I think that uh, Aaron Donald said, look, just like we talk about the running back position isn't important, if Joe Mixon is in the game on third and one, he probably gets that first down. Why? Because that's their every down back. It was P. Ryan. You know, it's it's a different running back. I think that when you look at uh, what defense brings to the table, Kevin, a, a suffocating defense, you don't believe me? Who won the national championship? What did they have? They had a suffocating defense, right? Who won the Super Bowl? What did they have? A suffocating defense, a.k.a. a suffocating D-line. Jalen Ramsey is arguably the best DB in the country, in the world. He can't cover for a long time. That's not what he's built to do. Matter of fact, he fell down. And when he jumped, he tried to jump up and look. And went, thank you, 9-9. You know, thank you, 40. You know, thank you, thank you, Floyd. So, yes, uh, Kevin, great offenses. We love them. But when they come up against – when we come up against that stronghold known as them good defenses, it's a wrap. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I I say that because it seems like in the growing, the way the rules are going, you say, look, we need average defense and our offense is going to be just fine. And we'll, But it seems like still at the end of the day, if you got an elite defense and you're there, it's going to make all the difference in the world. All right, moving along to take three, Mike Greenberg. And we love Mike Greenberg. Uh, you can hear him 10 a.m. to noon. Posted a picture of himself on Twitter eating chicken wings for the Super Bowl. Okay, perfectly normal thing to do. However, he was eating them with a knife and a fork. Is this a fireable offense, Ben, to be eating chicken wings with a knife and a fork? Or I said, or at the very least, you get your man card revoked for eating chicken wings I mean, they were not boneless either, by yes. the way. They were not the chicken nuggets. Yes. Which, still kind of inexcusable, but I could at least chicken nuggets with a knife and fork, whatever. Bone-in wings, otherwise known as wings, knife and fork. Ridiculous. Yes. I mean, I think it's both. I mean, he's not going to get fired. Is it a fireable <laughs> offense? It is. It, it, man card, I mean, I'm just sorry. It, it's, it's done. And the thing about it is, is, right, Kevin, think about it. We've seen certain things. We've lived long enough to see certain things in our lifetime. You ever see somebody eat spaghetti with a spoon? <laughs> Why? They can still spin it, right? Because I need to I need to clamp down and I need to turn it. Right? I'm just saying. Like, Greenberg, look, maybe we need to call Mike Golick Sr. back. Because when he was there, <laughs> that wouldn't have been allowed. Like, I've never seen that. Not only do you got one, God is giving you two hands. Come on, man. And the thing about it is that a fork and a knife, what kind of wings would he if I'm that wing company, I'm like, dude, don't put that on there, man. Making us think our wings got you need a, a fork and a knife. No, you eat steak with a fork and a knife, right? You need things that need to be cut with a fork and a knife. I would love to see your reaction, man, because I know you are a a wing connoisseur of sorts. Because 
I, I don't know. Just I, whenever we've gone out to, to places, a lot of times if they have wings, you're like, let me try these wings out. Yeah. See what see what they got. So you are a wing, you know, connoisseur of sorts. If you are at a table, and your son or whoever says, "I'm getting wings, Dad," and they go, "Hey, pass the fork and knife." What are you saying to them? I would love to see your reaction. I mean, first, 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 I'm like, first, 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 I'm like this. I'm like, what you what, what you need a fork and a knife for? Oh, where the wings are. I said, let me tell you something. You're not gonna be using no forking on. I'm. You know. You you must be. Oh, here's the thought. Okay, if you want to buy your own stuff, go ahead and use a fork and knife. That's because forks and knives are needed for things that you know are fork and knife worthy. Like, all I'm saying is, it is called finger food for a reason. <laughs> correct. Like, and and I get it. I mean, listen. Have I seen people? And this is this is non Kevin food. Have I seen people take rabbit food, aka lettuce, and cut it up? I'm like, come on, man. Like, all right, that's enough of that. But come on, no, no, no. If it's now, now, if if that's a baby, and the baby about to eat the wing, and I take the wing and I'm like cutting the little wing up just to kind of look cordial because people are looking at me. As soon as they turn their head, man, I'm ripping that wing up with my hand. I, I think it's ridiculous. Mike Greenberg, you're not <laughs> inventing a new trend, man. Like, I, I love you. I appreciate it. But I'm saying to myself, like when people say, hey, hey, bro, this this, this ain't it. This this this, yeah. this 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 ain't this ain't happening. If if you if you eat ch- chicken wings and you don't use at least three or four napkins, you didn't you didn't eat chicken wings. You didn't, and they weren't good. <laughs> they just call it what it is. I mean, they I weren't. True, yeah. I mean, like with, uh, I I actually had chicken wings last night uh, at a Super Bowl party, and when I when I went up there to get them, I was like, I went ahead and prerequisite tore off like three or four because I was like. Oh, I'm going to need at least that many to make it through, Look, but not with a knife and fork. You got to get like, in there and do work. I was like, listen now. Now, can you use a knife to like pick the wing up and put it on your plate? Maybe. I mean, if you're going through it like a buffet line and you don't want people to know you country and just I grab it with my hands, but it's people <laughs> behind me. It's, it's people behind. <laughs> like we've done. Like think about it. We've all done that, right? Getting food. If you looking around, see you looking. You know, you're like, all right, let me let me. Or, or it's like this. Okay. Um. We have a uh, we have a we have a thing for donuts at this office. Okay, that's true. The one thing, listen, we do two things. All right, we see the donut box, we open it up. No, no. First, we look at the donut box and we look around. Like nobody looking. Nobody. Looking. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you open up the box and you like, oh shoot, it's a new thing, you know. And then you look around and then you grab one. Now, if if we're in the presence of I don't know company, aka strangers. Will I get a napkin and maybe get it? Yeah. Do I need the napkin? No. That's only for like you know fakeness. I don't really <laughs> care about the napkin. So, but even with even Just with that, in. yeah. But even with that, come on, man. Like like I said, that's you know spaghetti spaghetti with spoons, cereal with forks. Get out of here with that, man. <laughs> get out of here with that, Greenberg. Seriously, like like if I, I mean, let me get that. Like, think about I it. If I'm, if I'm eating cereal at the table, and I'm like, I mean, let me get that fork, man. You like this for what? Gotta eat this cereal. You like this. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta do what? Gotta eat this cereal, man. I'm just saying, you know, I'm looking at Cam shaking I'm, his I'm head assu- like that's assume- ridi- assume- it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I'm assuming he eats his ribs with a knife and a fork too. Listen, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, Kevin, man, look, well, I, this is what I really call it. How much money do you make <laughs> to not want to get your fingers dirty <laughs> with the wings? We'll see, Kevin, Mike Greenberg. Let's do better. Let's take three. We do it every day this time. We're coming back, Matt Stafford. I got that ring after so many years in the National Football League. What has that done for his legacy? We'll talk about it next here on 3 and Out.
Hello, this is Chris Hatcher, head coach of the Sanford University Bulldogs, and you're listening to 3 and Out with B.J., Ben, and Kevin. Matt Stafford got that Super Bowl ring last night. Uh, ben, obviously, he's been one of those guys that people looked at and said, man, if he could ever be on a good team, uh, what could happen? Well, I think we found out uh, last night uh, what could happen if uh, Matt Stafford goes, and really all season long, to a team that puts weapons around him, prioritizes the offense, things that uh, they can do to get them in that position. Is he Hall of Famer? We talked about this a lot going in. Mm -hmm. Now he got the Super Bowl ring. Mm -hmm. Where does that put Matt Stafford in your mind here after last night? The Hall are really, really good. Really, really good. This is why. I mean, I think sometimes – you know, Kevin, we get caught up in the moment sometimes. And sometimes you get to say, hey, man, it's a culmination of a career. We're saying this. Most Hall of Famers, you hope to win a Super Bowl to to, to be that cherry on the top. At any point, at any point in, in Matthew Stafford's career, did we say he was the best or one of the top five quarterbacks in the league? And the answer is no. Because, and, and fair or unfair, right? Like, what people, uh, Charles Barkley. You played in a tough era. I mean, Charles, Charles Barkley won MVP. In the league, when Michael Jordan was in his prime, does that mean that does that mean that he was better than Mike? Nope, had a better season. What happened? Met Mike in the finals, and Mike got his revenge. Come along, won MVP in the league while Mike was in his prime. Met Mike in the finals, saw what happened. Think about Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford has never been a first team All Pro. That means you had the best season uh, statistically in the league. Never been, never been a, a regular season MVP. Never been, uh, in a, never been a Super Bowl MVP. So what I'm saying is, has he been really, really good? The first is 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, yes. Watch how elevated those numbers get with guys coming behind him because you're in a wide-open pass league. I'm not saying – And now, more it, games now, it, yeah. and is he, Listen, is he an incredible throw to football? Yes. Is he an incredible talent? Yes. Did he get to write a lot of – did he get to prove a lot of people wrong because of what happened last <laughs> night? Yes. But we were not talking about Matthew Stafford as a Hall of Famer for 12 years. This is why I say that. Phillip Rivers ain't never won a Super Bowl. People say he's a Hall of Famer, right? Never won a Super Bowl, never won an AFC Championship game because of, at certain point, people say, I mean, was he a top five quarter? People say, yeah, that's a, that's a Phillip Rivers. Why? Phillip Rivers went over to the Indy. They didn't win the Super Bowl, but he went He went to a playoff. I just think, Kevin, for me, it helps if you need, If it helps if you're on the outside looking in saying, hey, man, I want to know what it's like to go to Canton. I just know this. If Matthew Stafford gets in, does it, does it pay – uh, Joe Flacco, his numbers aren't that much different than Matthew Stafford's. He won the Super Bowl, right? With the team that drafted him. I just think that sometimes Kevin, or Aaron Rodgers only has one Super Bowl, but we ain't saying Aaron Rodgers is a, is a Hall of Famer because of the Super Bowl. We're saying Aaron Rodgers, what? Three-time league MVP. Back to back. And a lot of people thought multiple MVP. seasons he was the best quarterback exactly. and, in and the league. Listen, this, this is what I would do. This, this is the thing about the Hall of Fame. It doesn't matter what sport. Baseball, you know, uh, Barry Bonds. Yep. Kershaw. Yep. That doesn't mean they're going to get voted in, but is there a Hall of Fame? Yes. Matthew Stafford. Uh, you, you hesitate because you go, he's good. When Megatron, Calvin Johnson, came up <laughs> for Hall of Fame, you, what? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When Julio Jones comes up, absolutely. When, when Aaron Donald comes up, absolutely. And I think it shouldn't be – it's different for the quarterbacks. I get that part. But I just think that for 12 seasons, he put up some big numbers. Phillip Rivers put up big numbers. There's a lot of people going to put up big numbers. That don't mean, you know, I mean, so I just think for me, I would say no because while he had, listen, incredible career, 
If you let Matthew Stafford in because he got that Super Bowl, you're going to be paving the way for a lot of guys to get in at the quarterback position that has similar numbers. And I'm not saying he hasn't had an incredible career. I'm not saying he's going to go on to you know, pass for more yards. Yeah. Now, if he gets another one. Then- Matthew, now, now, if he gets another now, 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 But this is the thing, too. But you yeah, ask yourself. Saying, yeah. if, he, if, 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 if he gets another one, uh, you know, Kevin, it, it depends on his significance. I mean, you know, you know, uh, uh, um, yeah, because you made the point before the show. I, I would just say that, hey, Matthew Stafford is good. He put up great numbers this year, and obviously with better players around him, he put up you know amazing things. But they made it this far with Jared Goff. They did, right? I mean, they they, they made it to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff, and I'm not saying that Jared Goff's better than Matt Stafford. Yeah. But, but what I'm saying is, you. Matthew Stafford came in, and the Rams had been there before with a lot of players on that defense who had been there before. Jalen Ramsey been to AFC Championship game. I mean, they they have been in some of those situations before, and you were a piece that came in to help get them over the top. Yes, and you you obviously more competent quarterback play uh, player than than Jared Goff. Hence, that's why they want you there to get him in, in the Super Bowl and and win. But this was a franchise that already had those kind of credentials uh, with the guys on on that team. I, I I again, I know BJ's adamantly in the other direction, like yes, hundred percent because of the numbers. But I just think when you look at, at Matt Stafford, and it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Was he ever amongst the top four or five guys when you said, make me a list? No, he was usually seven to ten. Well, I'm sorry. That's probably not. I mean, and, and again, you're talking about you unfortunately played with the GOAT, Tom Brady, which in any era, you're already fighting for number two. Then you played with Peyton Manning in the league. You played with... Aaron Rodgers, uh, who happened to play in your own division, by the way, who beat up on the Detroit Lions a lot. You haven't played with Drew Brees, who many people think, from a quarterback standpoint, was really good. Uh, We'll see about Russell Wilson, if he ends up being Hall of Fame status or not. But Russell Wilson, a lot of people uh, earlier in Seattle would say, give me your top quarterbacks. He would come up on the list before Matt Stafford. And again, again, I'm not trying to diminish it. I'm saying in the era in which he played, Matt Stafford was always going to be considered, hey, he's good, but he's behind this kind of core of just really elite guys. And some of that could have been just because Detroit wasn't making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I think that is a little bit of it. Uh, that, that holds him back when you're talking about Hall of Fame. It's like, so on the plaque, we're going to say, for 12 years, he put up big numbers on a team that made the playoffs one time. And then one year, he went to a team that was already really, really good, and he got a Super Bowl ring. Hall of Famer Matt Stafford. I'm like, no offense, but that kind of sounds like Kevin Durant ring chasing. I mean, no, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. no, 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 I'm, I'm, I don't mean that now, but obviously when he went to Golden State, and once again, just like with Jared Goff, a team that had already won without him. Right. Now, 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 obviously the Rams didn't win without him, but this is the thing, too. I always say this. If you say, AK, if you say the best you can play individually, what would that get you? It got, now, uh, Drew Brees never won a regular season MVP, but people consider him. I mean, his numbers are right behind, up there with freaking Tom Brady and freaking uh, Peyton Manning. When you talk about Cam Newton, regular season MVP, uh, first team All Pro took him to the Super Bowl. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, regular season MVP, took him all the way to the Super Bowl, won it. Ben Roethlisberger, it ain't gonna be a regular season MVP. And there are times either. you could argue that Aaron Rodgers did it with less talent than they had in yes. Detroit, which yes. wasn't a lot. But, I mean, there were times where, I mean, what is the, the thing? The, Green Bay was putting a wide receiver at running back. What is the thing, like the too? Did. And, I, and, I'm not, and I'm not mad, but it's like, I'm not mad at uh, Cooper Cup doing what he did. Cooper Cup is a triple crown winner, and he, he's also the regular season MVP. 
Cam Newton top receiver when he went to the Super Bowl, Ted Ginn Jr. That was his number one receiver. Obviously, he had Greg Olson. All I'm saying is, when it comes to sports and you start talking about Hall of Fame, that's the greatest of all time. That means you cannot talk about that position without talking about them. You think you could talk about the quarterback position without talking about Cam Newton in the NFL? No. Absolutely not. It doesn't matter what you like or dislike about him. Cam Newton has almost 80 rushing touchdowns. He's a first-team All-Pro. He was a league MVP during the time of uh, of of you talking about uh, you talking about Aaron Rodgers, you talking about Drew Brees, you talking about Matty Ice. You know, you talk about Matthew Stafford. He was a number one overall pick that won a regular season MVP. You know how many people have not done that? How many number one overall picks have won regular season MVPs? I mean, Matthew Stafford never did it. So all so all I'm saying is the numbers are his numbers are ridiculous. I'm not taking that away, but I just think that you, you start doing this, Kevin. How many people could have done what Matthew Stafford just did with this roster? Uh, who, who knows? And and that, and that's and that's and that's fair or unfair. But I, I I do think that you know when you talk about LeBron's greatness, when he won to Cleveland, he he did it against a team that had the best regular season record. And I said it was the best team, best season record. They was down they was down three one. They came back and won. That that's how great he is, right? If Matthew Stafford doesn't have Jalen Ramsey. He doesn't have Aaron Donald. He doesn't have Cooper Cup. Take away Aaron Donald. Just take away one player. Can they win it? Probably not. I mean, I, I just think that when we, we we get to throwing around that word, a like Hall of Fame. Man, Hall of Fame means, bro, when you walk in the room, be like, hey, oh, that's Matt. No, they're going to be like, that's Matthew Stafford? Yeah. And, again, that's not meant to, dis- to, to discredit him in any way. That's just it's what hits you, hits you quickly right off the bat. We are way over. We got to come back. We got more to come here three and out. On the Southern Pigskin Radio. On this Monday after the Super Bowl, Kevin B.J. not here. Ben Troop uh, is here. Did want to give a little shout-out, Ben. My high school got a little airtime in the uh, Super Bowl last night in the Irish Spring commercial. Shout-out, Brooklyn Broncos. My mom told me apparently the guy that made it I was in school with, but I'll take her word for it. I mean, <laughs> I no, no, no. Get your, you know, get your shine on. If your high school is in take, there, tell us high schools. Christian was being salty. He said, oh, big deal. I'm like, I'm sorry. Is your high school in Super Bowl? Haters gonna gonna hate. Because mine was. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. We'll come back, final hour. Max Stark's gonna join us in about 20 minutes here on Three and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you are with us. Max Starks, former Steelers offensive lineman and two-time Super Bowl champ. Uh, will join us coming up here in the final hour of the program. We'll look back, obviously, Ben at the Super Bowl last night. Matt Stafford. Gets the ring. Joe Burrow, the up-and-comer, uh, sacked to end essentially end the ball game, and he was sacked seven times last night uh, in that ball game. Uh, ben, you you can talk all you want about hey, he's played better and this and that. Seven times in the Super Bowl is not something you're going to be able to sleep well knowing happened. Hey, he got sacked seven times. How many more times did he get hit that didn't show up in the stat book uh, last night? They were all over uh, Joe Burrow, and that's something Cincinnati's obviously going to have to uh, to fix. But pretty good ball game, start to finish uh, last night. Came down to the final possession. What more do you want? I mean, Ben, just like everything else, people are looking for reasons to be all upset. People are like, oh, it was a boring football game. Like, I'm not up here to argue that it was the greatest Super Bowl I've ever seen, but it was a one-possession ball game under two minutes, and the other guy, the guy that everybody's been talking about, Joe Cool, had the ball. What else do you want? I thought it was a I thought it was a good football game uh, last night uh, between those two, and uh, certainly again came down to the final play and 
the, the, the stud among studs on the field made the final two plays. Yes. I mean, I, I, I look, I don't think it was lackluster at all. I think we've gotten so – it's almost like we already planned in our mind, Kevin, what we think the outcome is going to be. You look at this our Rams team, they go up, they get two early scores. He starts to here we go, they're going to blow them out. And then, you know, controversy started happening. Odell Beckham Jr. goes down with a knee injury, and that's going to be, you know, uh, you know, but, you know, the turf monster got him. We hope he's okay, even though early reports are they think he did tear his ACL. Uh, the uh, Rams weren't able to really pad that lead. I mean, going into the halftime, you know, 13-3 uh, lead, and then you look at the first play from scrimmage, uh, 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 a clear and obvious uh, offensive P.I. call against T. Higgins against Jalen Rams. Now that makes it, that makes it 13-10, to 10. and something clicked. What, what what the turn of events happened when Joe Burrow is scrambling, he gets pushed out of bounds by Aaron Donald. They have a little scuffle on the sideline with the old line and Aaron Donald, and after that, Aaron Donald like, okay, I think y'all done forgot who I am. I think y'all done forgot who what I what the type of juice I bring, not just to this defensive line, but to this defense. And Kevin, for the rest of the game, it was Joe Burrow trying to make plays, running for dear life, trying to improvise, but you can only improvise so much. You start getting hit so much to where you start you start thinking that that uh. You start thinking that 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 the that the, uh, that the freaking um, uh, rush is coming over and over and over again. So for me, I ju- I just think that you know it was able it was able to be something that. Freaking phone is going crazy. Apologies. <laughs> uh, apologies. Uh, I just I just I just think for me, Kevin, it it came down to this. You 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 being a coach, right? I always bring it back to this. The one thing you teach your players all the time is fundamentals. Like, look, man, you got to have good plate appearances. You got listen. If you if I don't know if they let, but if you're gonna steal, look man, I need a good leadoff. And listen, and once you make up your mind, you got you got to go with it. When you talk about when you talk about this D line for you know for the Rams, Kevin, this is what we talked about. We said what is gonna be the key matchup? It's not gonna be who's gonna cover Cooper Cup, which they got away from that at the end of the game. It was gonna be can you block that D line? And at a certain and once look look look, you know what you do to a bear? Two things, right? You don't feed them and you don't mess with them. Right? When they push Aaron Donald, because Aaron Donald gets a lot of stuff. For people that don't know. Who's feeding the bear? I'm just saying, you know, you, you got the signs, right? They say, don't I know, feed the bear. But I'm just saying, Kevin, you 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 took a monster and you gave him a reason to want to want to go out there and show who yeah. he is. And Kevin, once he started, it's like, it's like, think about this. No matter what happens on the play, if you watch uh the Rams defense, they always show you what Aaron Donald was doing. Oh, he had three guys on him. Oh, he had two guys on him. Oh, he's not making a bigger impact. No, 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 no. You know why he didn't get the sack? Because Von Miller did it. Or Floyd did it. Or oh, 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 Ernest Jones from the nine one two did who had a hell of a game if you if you go back yeah. and see what he was able to do. So I just think that um, Jeffrey Simmons and, and 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 Chris Jones and all these guys, all these interior D linemen that played against this uh, the Cincinnati defense, they're they're tweeting they're tweeting the sidelines saying, "Hey, tell them they can't block them," and they realized it. And I think when that happened, Kevin, yeah, it was end up twenty three to twenty, but it had drama. You know, but the stars started lying. Listen, Jalen Ramsey, I get it. He had some blunders, but this is what I'm saying. Dude, you could not block 99. Like, and then, and the play of the game, the play of the last, I don't know, five years in the Super Bowl. I am getting blocked. I, listen, I, I stopped the blocker. I, I, listen, I had to stop two people. I can't, I can't let this, oh, I, Aaron Donald can't let this guard push him back anymore. So it is, all right, so boom, stalemate. All right, got that done. Now, I got to reach this right arm out, which I'm pretty sure that thing is probably sore today, and I stop a grown man, a NFL running back. They say the running back he stopped might weigh 240. And if that's great, that's 
So think about it. Aaron Donald is 280. Aaron Donald is 40 pounds more than the guy he's stopping while he got a 330-something-pound guy on him. So that's, that's what, almost 600 pounds. I got to stop one and stop the other one. That, man, I mean, every time I think about that play, Kevin, it's crazy. But listen, um, I played against Julius Peppers. Julius Peppers didn't talk a lot. This is what they told me. They said, man, yeah, don't say nothing to him. What do you mean? Leave him alone. Why? Because if you – if you tee him off, he's going to tee off <laughs> on our quarterback. And every time I played against him, I didn't say a word, right? I didn't say a word. You know, he, he looked at me, I look at him. Like if he say, you know, stop all that hold and all that, it's, I hold. Sorry, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> but I, but I, 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 just, I just think that, Kevin, it came down to fundamentals. And when the stars aligned, Stafford, the cup, couldn't stop it. Aaron Donald and company, couldn't stop him. And, you, and like we always say, sometimes 23 – 23 to 20, it's not indicative of what was actually going yeah. on because I saw those old linemen getting tweeted at by D linemen that they went up against saying, look, you beat us, but we all, we all, we, we all represent the same entity, Simmons and Jones and those guys. And, hey, man, he, he wears them. He has number 99 on his chest. He has Donald on his back. His real name is Freddie Krueger. He changed it as he got older. And I'm sorry, Kevin, I mean – if you are a if you are a Joe Burrow, nothing to feel bad about because that's the first time he's ever lost in the playoffs going back to college. But I've never seen one man be that disruptive. And like I said, I know the Super Bowl MVP went to Cooper Cup. You know, they said no, listen, listen, they yeah. said when they gave him the Cooper Cup, he was looking down, right? He's a humble dude. But the Cooper Cup's mind, he like, why am I on stage? Why? Because I'm not I don't wear 99. Like yeah. did y'all no, see look, what he I, just did? And I I I think when you, you saw Aaron Donald interviewed after the game, they were asking him about it, and they were like Walk us through those final couple of plays. He said, I mean, this is before the Super Bowl. He said, well, you work a long time for it. He goes, I'm thinking in my mind, everything you got for one more play. And if you could do that, you're going to be the Super Bowl champ. And he said, well, I got to do it one more time on fourth down. And he, he, it was. It was, I don't care what happens. I'm not going to be uh, denied because if I sacrifice for this one play, we're going to be champions. And it worked out. And, and again, I, I think if you go back and look at it and – who knows what the historians will view about this game. But as I watched it, I never felt like Cincinnati should be winning the game or was going to win the game because they really got out. In my mind, they got outplayed by the Rams uh, for the most part all day long. They got three points off a Stafford pick, which was tipped up by his own receiver. Uh, should have either been caught or knocked to the ground. And they get great field position, only got three out of it. They got a touchdown pass. Joe Burrow's only touchdown pass of the night on a play in which your receiver twisted the head of the guy playing DB yeah. who fell down yeah. and you ran wide open for a touchdown. Outside of that, you got one touchdown that you had to run a gadget play to get. And Ben, I know you he, he, did, he, did, he did get a, he did get a one nice throw to Jamar Chase down the sideline with no. the circus guest. But you 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 right. It, compared, listen, compared to what we thought it was going to be. Like I tell you, I'm not all, saying you no. played bad. I'm just yeah. saying for the most part. The Rams played better than the scoreboard yes. looked like. For, the, whole, the, just, the whole game. Yeah. And Odell Beckham, for those who oh, why was it so? When Odell, Odell Beckham scored the first touchdown of the game, he goes out. So now, I, look, I tell people this all the time, man. Everybody wants to play. But the circumstance matters. Meaning, you go out in the regular season game, it's the first, fourth, fourth game of the year, go in for Odell. Super Duper Bowl, the guy behind him like, get up, Odell. Like, because <laughs> now you throw it to a, but that yeah, just you don't show, want to be the reason you call and, the team. And, the game. I, and I will that. say this: listen, what the hardest yard to get? Look, that uh, Cincinnati's going to go into the offseason saying, "Do we need a one yard?" Yeah, well, no, no, one yard to get just, first down. I don't know yeah, if they're yeah. going to win. But this but. thing, we needed one yard three times. 
It's second and one. It's third and one. It's fourth and one. Well, what was the problem? Aaron Donald. Like, like, but even if they got it, do you believe they were kicking a field goal against that defense to uh, go to overtime? Did you have, I mean, because there's a lot of people well, like, I will, oh, I will I say, this. I will say this. I will say this. It gives you a chance because it's the thing too, right? Think about how defeating a first down is because now Aaron Donald, it's look like, look, man, the reason why we're trying to get him off the field, man, I can exert all this energy, but if they go first down, I got to start over again, right? And the thing about D-linemen that we need to realize, they sub. They don't play every snap. Oh, well, I haven't played every snap. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a battle of wits, too. And I think what happens is sometimes, Kevin, it's the game within the game. Aaron Donald is saying, look, man, they're going to try to run at me, man, because they're giving me two guys every play. I'm exerting a lot of energy. But my thing is this. If I can stay, I mean, that's just understanding and anticipating the situation at large. But I, I, I just think that that D-line put on a clinic, man. Like, at a certain point, and. Listen, at a certain point, guys coming open. You know why? Because DB's taking chances. You know why? Because they ain't doing that much out there. Because they, DB, DB's are looking at the quarterback. Oh, he about to get sacked. Now, if he come out, okay, that's a little bit different. But, yeah, Kevin, 23-20 to 20 was not really indicative of the fact that the – I don't know who the best D-lineman is, the best D-line is in the league. I can tell you who the worst O-line is in these playoffs. It is Cincinnati by a long shot. And the fact that these O-linemen was talking trash, like, well, I beat you. No, 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 no. You didn't beat no D-linemen. Because even against Kansas City, a lot of that was improvised by, 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 right. by, by Joe Burrow. You're not going to get that luxury. When 99 get his paws on you, whether he he don't need but one, ask the running back. You going the other way. So, yeah, shout out to that D-line. But great job by Cincinnati. Nothing, nothing to feel bad about. But sometimes 23 to 20 is almost like we beating you 20 to 0 all game. And then we and, put the backups in. They, yeah. and they make it, they make know, it look respectful. Like I said, I know it sounded weird. It sounds weird to say when you're like, well, Stafford then had to score with less than two minutes to take the lead. That is very true. Uh, but I, I think you look at it and say at one point the situation was the Rams were going to get eight cracks if it went that long from inside the 10 to score a touchdown to win, to win the game because of penalties and things of that nature. I, I just felt like they're going to figure out a way uh, to get it in there, and they went, like, like I said, uh, ingenious play call for Stafford and Cooper Cup. I thought they oh, were going you know, to you, I thought they run the play that everybody oh, runs you knew it was that coming. pylon, and he just kind of stopped turning around again. Hey, oh, this is the thing, uh, Kevin. Uh, that's called patience. Like he, he, ran, he ran a back shoulder fade, but this is the thing. If you are Eli Apple, the DB for uh, Cincinnati. Your worst nightmare is happening. They said, they said, they said, they said, you know, throw the ball to cup, throw the ball to cup on three, one, two, three, boom. He comes out and Eli Apple's looking. He's coming over here. Oh, God. Because this is the thing. This is the best receiver in the world this year. <laughs> you going, <laughs> what is this dude going to do? Cooper Cup, great hands, great route runner, but he's patient. And you got to cover he did deep was, and you got to What yeah. he did was, so all you receivers that put all these videos up online, would y'all moonwalking with you? No. Now you think about Eli Apple. This is the thing. He said, Eli, Eli, he told Eli Apple, when you move, I'm gone. What? When you move, I'm gone. He come off the ball and Eli ain't really moving. He give him a slight, a, a very slight move to the left. Eli steps and the ball's already out. I'm gonna tell you an even better throw. That dig that he threw the that dig that he threw the freaking Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup wasn't even in his break yet. Matthew Stafford let that thing go. Cooper Cup is still running straight. The first thing they tell you with the receiver is you got to get your head around. Like, look, forget your body. I can my, my, my I can do this like this. He got his head around. My head around is gonna force my body to go. Man, it was some beautiful football down the stretch. Man, there's nothing to feel bad at. Man, I mean, Cooper Cup. What can you say? Almost 180 catches, almost 2,500 yards, 22 TDs, Super Bowl MVP. The rest is this. Yeah, and just unbelievable play, as you said. I I, I felt like the Rams, though they were losing late. 
had been in control of that football game by the way they played. It was kind of shocking that they were behind the way they had played for for much of that ball game. We got more to come. Max starts waiting in the wings. The two-time Super Bowl champ, former Steelers offensive lineman, will join us when we come back here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here with you on 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Rams win the Super Bowl over the Bengals 23-20. Joining us here, our next guest, he's got two rings, won two Super Bowls with the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive lineman. Max Starks joins us here on 3 and Out. Max, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Uh I'm doing great, fellas. Can't can't be, tell you how excited I am that the season's finally over. <laughs> it can be a, a long grind for Sherman. Uh, uh, we we talk all the time on the show about uh, different aspects of it. We talked about Tom Brady playing his position this year until mid forties. What can you say about uh, you know Whitworth there for the Rams? Forty years old, still playing a uh, premier position like left tackle. How good of a job did he do, and how tough is that at 40 years old to, to be out there moving on the edge like that? Well, I can tell you uh, from seeing guys that are that, that are almost half his age, isn't that something crazy to say? Guys in their early 20s that struggle with that concept, and for him to do that at 40 years old, I mean, is just tremendous. Um, Andrew is one of those guys, man. I mean, he's just he's just built different, and he's he's played healthy. He's, he knows how to take care of his body and has been able to do that and hold up against, uh, seriously, the most elite of elite players on the defensive side of the ball, game in and game out, and do it for as long as he has. You know, it's kudos to him, and, uh, you know, I was happy to see him finally get a ring. And, Max, when you think about a guy like Drew, I mean, obviously you played the left tackle position. Talk about what that does for the entire offensive line. When you got a guy that they look, we're going to put you on the best pass rusher on the other team. You're going to be on the island with that guy, but we ain't going to have to worry about you all game. What does that do for the other four guys who might have to be work more, you know, uh, in tandem to be able to deal with those other three guys? Well, I mean, it's, it's like when, you know, Patrick Peterson in his prime would just take away one side of the field. It's when – you know, Darrell Revis, when you get on Revis Island, I mean, when you go against guys like Andrew Whitworth and, and Tyron Smith, the Walter Joneses, the Orlando Paces, that allows you as a coach to go, I can go ISO on the backside and I can, I can, I can run a line and turn everybody in the opposite direction to account for the other guys because I know that if I put him one-on-one, he's going to win against whoever that defensive player is. It's a confidence builder and allows you to do more things in the pass game as far as how you call protections when you have a guy who can lock down a defense's best pass rusher. And speaking of locking down, and they, they didn't do it last night, how bad did the Bengals' offensive line hurt the Bengals last night? Well, I mean, here's the thing. They didn't hurt themselves any worse than they have the previous 20 games. Uh, they were, you know, to quote the late Dennis Green, they were who we thought they were. Um, you know, this team never had a good offensive line, and, you know, they kind of performed in spite of it. Now, I will say this. Pass protection was their weakness. Their strength was run blocking. They did not do enough running in that game, so I, I would blame Zach Taylor and company for not trying to incorporate the run more or more running back-centric type of passes. I saw very little swing passes, stuff in the flats to really help this offensive line with the quick game. Um, but this offensive line was bad. We, it's been bad since week one it, it, all the way to week 21. It has been bad, and we kept, kept trying to say, hey, maybe they'll get better. Maybe No, they were. The same, the same group that gave up nine sacks to Tennessee was the same group that just gave up seven sacks 
to the L.A. Rams. So, you know, it, it, it just it was. I mean, it's something that's a glaring error. That's something that's going to have to be addressed in the offseason. You're going to have to go and really make a concerted effort to go out and get offensive line talent, not only in the draft, but in free agency to really overhaul this offensive line. Because right now, sitting here day after being in the Super Bowl, it's, a, it's an unsettling feeling when all of your offensive linemen don't have any security after making it all the way to the big game. Max, when you think about when you think about veteran leadership, when you think about you know you on a, you on a team that had a bunch of veterans both times you was in the Super Bowl, how much does that help? Because when you look at a Zach Taylor, you know he, I mean obviously you know a young coach trying to get trying to uh, reshape the entire narrative of a Cincinnati Bengals you know team and dynamic, even with guys like Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, but. You talk about you talk about Sean McVay. Second time in the Super Bowl, he's got he's got Matthew Stafford instead of Jared Goff. You got Cooper Cup this time when he was hurt the last time. You got Aaron Donald, not arguably the best defensive player on the planet. How much of having that veteran leadership helps you in a game like yesterday? Oh, it, it, it's tremendous. I mean, it's one of those things like you can't explain it to somebody. You have to experience it. That's what the Super Bowl is. It has to be experienced, and and with that squad that was there in 53, um, you know, a lot of those pieces were still there. So they knew what that feeling was, and they knew what it was going to take. And even for the guys that they brought in, you look at the, you know, the soldiers of fortune, so to speak, that they brought in since that Super Bowl loss. Adding those pieces, Von Miller, you added a Super Bowl MVP player to your roster how invaluable is that to have that experience, that cachet, that legitimize that entire defense by adding Von Miller? Like, they, they got instant credibility. No longer was Aaron Donald and the rest of them and Jalen Ramsey and the rest of them. It was, no, the L.A. Rams defense. You know, they, they, they have guys everywhere, littered throughout here. Once you added him, so his experience and his ability to kind of be a big bro, right, the big homie to – what we saw with with uh, Aaron Donald, you know, looking for that kind of leadership, somebody in his ear, somebody that had his back, he got that. And then for Jalen Ramsey, there's other leaders on this board that that could go out there. So it was it was it was a big deal to have that type of experience and to have a bunch of veterans because, like you said, Matthew Stafford's been there, done that, 13 years in the league. He's dreamt of this and wondered, would I ever get to this? And to actually get there and have guys who've experienced it and who could also weather the storm of whatever his jitters were, that's invaluable because there's nobody on that Cincinnati Bingo squad that could even come close to relating or give any type of insight. You got some key additions that really helped your team, but still not enough to make that type of dent. Max Starks joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and Max is an offensive lineman. How, how do you explain Aaron Donald the last couple of plays of the game? Uh, again, the third down play, he's blocked. He grabs the running back with, with one arm, stops him, and pulls him backwards. I mean, as an offensive lineman, like, I have him blocked. And he still made a play. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> so, I'll give it to you this way. Uh, old school guys, we call it cheat code. New school guys... They call it modding. You know, uh, that, that, that's what you do in the game when you create different parameters or you hack the game somehow. That's what Aaron Donald is at the end of the game. He is a, he is a cheat or a hack to whatever the game is, and that's what he does. I'll never forget, I was watching the, um, the Arizona Cardinals game uh, at the end of the season for the Rams to win the uh, NFC West uh, title, and literally – 
The Cardinals were in a very similar position. They needed to play Kyler Murray, who is a lot more active than Joe Burrow. What happens? Aaron Donald chases the dude down, slings him to the ground. So we've seen this at different points. Look at the San Francisco game, right, for the NFC Championship game. He's done it every time you need a play at the end of the game. He is going to make it. He is that guy. It's like, okay, it's my time. I don't care who's in front of me. They're not going to block me. I become unblockable all of a sudden, like the juggernaut when he picks up momentum. Like you can't stop the juggernaut. That's what he becomes. And, Max, the thing about it is, too, I mean, when you go – most of the time we'll look at, you know, uh, how has he affected the game every single play. But you go back to the, you go back to the NFC Championship game. I mean, who, who, uh, who calls the last throw with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? That would be Aaron Donald. When you go back to the last two games of, uh, of the Super Bowl, Third and one? Nope, you're not getting it. Who calls the Aaron throw the last play of the game? That would be Aaron Donald. You talk about having those special guys. Obviously, our time in the league, it was a guy like Warren Sapp. Now, we didn't get him in his prime, but he was still a very, very productive player. When you got a guy that could, that's that disruptive and on the inside, right there in front of that center, he's got to give us – how much does he wreck a game plan? Because he's right there next to the center in the guard, and what he'll do is he's on you so fast that he's used to dealing with over 600 pounds every single play – how does a guy that, what, barely 290 can do the type of things he do on a play-in, play-out basis? It's just it's unheard of, man. I mean, the dedication, the work that it takes, the, under, the body awareness that he has, the, the, the technical skill that he possesses and that he's learned um, is just unmatched. Um, he has the very, very unique gift and ability not only to put in the work but also to then understand how things work. You know, he goes into the inner workings of how it works. He understands leverage. He understands biomechanics, right? He understands what you can do to really take the fight into your own hands, knowing that if he shifts a certain way, he can, he can create a desired response that, that he can now plan a counterattack off of. Like, all the, those are very nuanced elevated things that even some of the greats never quite develop. And he developed it because he was an underdog, right? He was an undersized type of guy in that position. He wasn't your traditional D tackle. And now he's a guy that, I mean, yes, we put him in the D tackle position because that's where he lines up. But I mean, he plays across the entire line. He plays four different positions on that line, given the game and given the matchup. So he's just, I mean, tremendously gifted. One of the greats, um, to do it, listen, eight years in the league, seven first-team All-Pros, and uh, what, two or three defensive player of the years, uh, and now he has a Super Bowl. I mean, the only thing left to do is start beating yourself, right? As Rocky would say, <laughs> the one guy you have to beat, that guy in the mirror. You know, shadow box against that. That's what he's doing right now at this point moving forward. Max Starks, uh, two-time Super Bowl champ with the Steelers. Joining us here on 3 and Out. And Max, do that in. Heard a lot about... Uh, you know, the, the Bengals say, hey, it didn't happen for them, but they're young. They got young playmakers. They'll they'll get their opportunity to be back. I know you've got two rings, but speak to that, how we're kind of, we'd like to throw it out there and say, oh, Pat Mahomes is going to do this. And, you know, you know Joe Burrow, they're going to be back and have multiple chances to get there. I mean, h- how hard is it to get there that people are just saying, oh, Joe Burrow is going to have it. I mean, could this be the opportunity that they were three points away from from at least getting the overtime? Yeah, no, they absolutely weren't. And here's the thing: I mean, the biggest mistake they made was, you know, on that, on that, on that, uh, on that second interception, the Ben Skoranek, uh interception, not putting it in the end zone. 
being 30 yards in. That was, that was one of the turning points. Like, this was a game where seven was going to have to be the magic number when you have to score. Um, yes, I love Evan McPherson. I'm a Florida Gator. I wanted to see him break the postseason record for most consecutive field goals made. But at the same time, that was that turning point where it's like they held you out. They stopped your momentum. You kind of went back, reverted back to the first quarter where you couldn't create the offense to get it in the red, in the red zone area. That was a big moment, and they needed to do that because that would have put all the pressure in the world on the Rams and forced them to start to do uncharacteristic things. But when they held them to three, that gave them def- that defense confidence, and you saw it raise from that point forward. And, you know, I look at it, and it's going to be very tough. Like, to make it to a Super Bowl is a monumental task, but to win a Super Bowl is even more of a monumental task, and it's not something that comes as a given. Like, we were spoiled in this generation to have a Tom Brady. But what Tom Brady did was literally like trying to catch a meteorite with a baseball glove, right? You know what I'm saying? As it's hurling from Earth. Like, you're never going to see that again, right? You're never going to have that opportunity. It was an impossible thing that he was asked to do, and he accomplished it. Yes. And then also think about this for Joe Burrow. The path in the AFC, there's a lot of hurdles. It's not like we're talking about the NFC. You have Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, right? And we'll see how Mac Jones fit factors into that. But there's a lot of talent you get you gotta jump through and hoops you gotta jump through to even get to the opportunity to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl again. So it, it's a tough task, it's a loaded field. But, um, you know, do I think they have the ability? Yeah, I like to believe in Joe Burrow and his spirit and his personality. Guy's going to want to come play for him uh, in free agency. So you might get some of those pieces that say, hey, I'll go to Cincinnati to play with that dude. But it's, ne- it's never a given. Because we said that about Dan Marino after the first time he went and never went again. Right? And it took John Elway forever to get back into it. Uh, you know, he was, holding, he was holding on to the very end to get there. Uh, to get his opportunity at, at running it for two Super Bowls. So it's never a given, but I do like the odds that he will at least make it back once in the next four years. Max, there's so many storylines in this game. Matthew Stafford, you talk about Aaron Donald, you talk about Jalen Rams, you talk about Odell Beckham Jr., Von Miller being in his second Super Bowl. Is there a greater story in 2021 than that of Cooper Cup when you look at what he did being the triple crown winner? I mean, most receiving yards, most receiving touchdowns, most, most receptions, but in, in, in the season, well, what, 178 catches, 2,400 yards, 22 touchdowns, uh, NFL Offensive Player of the Year, and Super Bowl MVP. I mean, you said it, Troop. I mean, that that's what a duo of receivers would hope to accomplish in a year. He accomplished by himself. By himself, he accomplished that, Troop. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's the greatest season a receiver's ever had um, in NFL history. Um, the next closest that, that, was, that accomplished that was Jerry Rice. Um, only other guy to do to to run the triple crown, um, and also offensive player of the year. Um, so what he did was only the things that goats do. Um, so he had a tremendous year. My here's what I always say, and I even I even tout this against young quarterbacks who have fantastic rookie years. What's your follow up act? Can you do that again? Can you still perform at that level when they are expecting you? Because they weren't expecting you this year. And it, but when they have an off season, defenses have an off season to scout you, 
to create game plans around you, to know what it is. Can you still be that dynamic? Can you be that amazing again? But I do not want to rain on Cooper Cuff Ray because he literally had the greatest year an offensive player could have in a single year running a clean sweep of every offensive statistic for your position. So, yes, he was tremendous, and yes, he deserves all of it. I know he was humbled and said he didn't deserve it. He absolutely deserved it, but – once again, if you if you want to go on that goat tra- if you want to go on that goat trail, uh, goat trail, you need, you need to get get the resume up and continually show us uh, what you got. Don't be a flash in the pan. Max Starks, two time Super Bowl champ with the Pittsburgh Steelers, joining us here on Three and Out. Max, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. My pleasure, guys. Take care. We'll do. Max Starks joining us here on Three and Out. We'll speak to that with Cincinnati and Joe Burrow when we come back. All across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here, three and out on this Monday, Kevin and Ben. Glad you're making us a part of your day. We were talking about Cincinnati and uh, so much been in the aftermath of that game, and even leading up to that game was, oh man, Joe Burrow and Cincinnati, they're going to have opportunities and opportunities to to come in here and play for the Super Bowl, and maybe it's just one more. Uh, who knows? But with that offensive line, it needs a lot of work. Are you buying into that fact that Cincinnati will be back and will have that kind of run in them that people are talking about? I mean, Pat Mahomes. Been to the AFC Championship game a bunch, won Super Bowl. You're dealing with Josh Allen. As he, all the quarterbacks that Max Stark mentioned, uh, you know, Mac Jones might have a say mm-hmm. in, 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 in going once again. You still got people dismiss him. You still got the Pittsburgh Steelers who always seemingly make the playoffs, and they have questions. They'll probably make the playoffs again. And you got a guy named Lamar Jackson in your own division uh, that you're going to have to deal with. So are you buying the fact that Joe Burrow is like, hey, man, he's a, it's, it's not an if but when he's going to get back to the Super Bowl and get one? I do. And the reason why I do, Kevin, I listen, I give, I give you, listen, I give you uh, two words, Ron Lacuna. Now, I'm not saying Joe Burrow is Ron Lacuna. I'm saying what one guy can do for an organization. When Ron Lacuna first comes to the Braves, no matter, wh- no matter who you ask, current Brave, former Brave, guys that play again, they said, this dude. And – and he's lived up to it, right? Going through injury, obviously a different thing. But all he knows is winning. Like he like, look, man, why y'all keep talking to me about the Braves? Used to be all I know is making the playoffs. All I know is going for the forty forty club. All I know is being that lift. All I know is being arguably the greatest leadoff hitter in Major League Baseball history. When you look at what he's done, Joe Burrow. All I know is we we went to the Super Bowl. I'm what 22, 23. Jamar Chase twenty one years old. T Higgins twenty two. A bunch of young guys like. I, Eli Apple, you know who Eli Apple is on our on our freaking uh on our freaking um uh defense because he's trying to troll people, you know, because he, <laughs> you know, this, that, and the third. But Kevin, think about this. Look at what Patrick Mahomes did for Kansas City. And this is a Cincinnati Bengals team that haven't addressed things yet. Tyron Matthew wasn't in Kansas City at first. They brought him in there. Frank Clark wasn't there yet. Chris Jones wasn't there. They brought these guys in there. So you think about it. You got T. Higgins, drafted him. You got you got uh Joe Mixon, already got a contract extension. You got, you know, you got uh Jamar Chase, a rookie. You started adding guys. Like we we talked about this too. Von Miller wasn't with the Rams. They brought him over. Aaron Donald, oh my God, just freaking monster. Jalen Ramsey wasn't with the Rams. So they made it to the Super Bowl with a bunch of pieces that might not help them get over the hump. What's gonna happen when people can look? Check this out. <clears throat> they was asking Gronk. Hey man. You gonna retire? I don't know, man. I like that Joe Burrow kid. You don't. You don't think Cincinnati go? Uh, what? 
You add a Gronk at, at tight end, right? He ain't the same player, very productive. You add a cornerback on defense, a lockdown. You add a big-time pass rusher. You add a safety. huh? You add, oh, my God, you add some O-linemen. Yeah, they did this with the worst O-linemen in the playoffs. The worst set of O-linemen in the playoffs, and they made it to the Super Bowl. And they lost by three points. And they had to block Aaron Donald and Von Miller. I just think, yes, Kevin, I mean, why, why wouldn't they? Because you know just like I know. If you become a new head coach and you have instant success, people go, that ain't how it goes. No, that ain't how it went for you. Right? Because <laughs> think about Sean McVay. Sean McVay had instant success. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's the youngest Super Bowl winner in Super Bowl history. All I'm saying is, why wouldn't why wouldn't they be why wouldn't they go on a run? They doing this with a lot of house money right now, right? They doing it with sure. a bunch of guys who was journeymen, and you got a bunch of bunch of second and third year, first year guys getting it done. Now so, Baltimore is coming for you. Yeah, now, now, I will now say Pittsburgh this. I, 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 coming for you. I will now, say this. That's another reason why I think they could do it because they won that division. That the freaking AFC North. I mean. It is. It is arguably. It is the best of it. I mean. The, I mean. The, listen. The, the, the NFC West ain't no slouch. You got Seattle. You know. You got Arizona. You know. what I'm saying. You got. Some, you got some big time. I mean. You got the Rams in there. But I. I will say, I got Pittsburgh twice a year. I got Cleveland twice a year. I got the Ravens twice a year. We just won that division. Not only did we win the division, we came out. So when people saying the Ravens still run run the AFC, no, no, you don't. Uh, Lamar Jackson has won one playoff game, and he's been in the league, I think, what, three, four years. Joe Burrow's been in the league two years. We finally made it to the playoffs, made it all the way to the Super Duper. So all I'm saying is, yes, it has all the ingredients now, Kevin. You know, listen, we all, listen, if you're eating something, and you're like, man, this is missing something. Somebody walking in, go, you need a little oregano, man. Need a little, need a little pepper. Need, you just got to add a little, because they, the, they, got, they got the quarterback. That's the main thing. Got to have the quarterback, check. Got to have the culture, check. Got to have the moxie, check. Do we believe? Do we believe in these bankers? You don't got to. They believe in themselves. You're doing it with a bunch of twenty-some year olds. They're coming from a guy who was on one of the youngest teams in the NFL. You don't make playoffs, people. Let alone Super Bowls. Mm-mm. That's hard to do. They already buying into old Joe, old you know, old Joe Cool. And I just think they they get some pieces in the draft and free agency. And the, and the, the two two kind of free agents. You got the ones you call. Hey man, you want to come? You got the ones to call you. Hey man, I kind of want to come up to you. Zach Taylor gonna get a chance to see. Now that, that AFC North, no, no Ben Rossberg. He still got Mike Tomlin. They're gonna probably get a quarterback in there. I'm sorry, you know, nobody really believes in Baker Mayfield at this point. I mean, he is who we he, who he's shown us to be. Gotta deal with that, that, that phenom. But like you said, Kevin, you don't got to win the division. You just got to be one of those last teams standing because they've added certain teams. I don't see why they wouldn't be going on a nice little run with a guy like Joe Burrow. I just again, just I guess just my personality where I feel like when you start chalking up, hey, we're going to make it back, it's like it just downplays just how hard it is. That's why a guy like Aaron Donald, as dominant as he's been, uh, been like the third question after the game was, are you going out on top? And you're going, why would he? Like, it is hard. It's a lot of work to get back to the Super Bowl. I mean, the Rams found that out. Hey, they went there. It was this point, and it took them a couple years to get back, but they got there, and they know how, how hard it is to climb that hill. And, again, I just look at it it's like, hey, Joe Burrow's been in the league for just a little bit of time. We've seen countless guys who come in, great football players, don't ever get back to the Super Bowl because it is tough. Everything has to I mean, Just for Cincinnati to get there this year, things had to go right. I mean, Ryan Tannehill had to have a pass tip. Pat Mahomes got the ball first in overtime, and you got, a, you got an interception. You had a couple of things that went your way in, in, in tight spots that allowed you to get there. And, again, it's very tough to get back. I'm, I'm trying to. I just hope people don't downplay that because you did it with Pat Mahomes. Like, yeah, all Pat, all Pat Mahomes does making <clears throat> AFC Championship games. Yeah, he's going to go in there and challenge Tom Brady. Like, stop. 
It's got one Super Bowl. Uh-huh. And how many times can that <clears throat> Chiefs team keep cresting the hill, keep cresting the hill? That is hard to do year after year. And I feel like we're jumping a gun on Joe Burrow saying, oh, dude, this guy's going to win a Super Bowl. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying he can't. Exactly. But let's not act like we're going to just chalk it up. And it's like, oh, he's definitely getting back to one. It is very hard to do. We got more to come here on this Monday. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, you, you Kevin, no. that's one of the greatest songs. <laughs> Kevin, like Baby Shark, I, Triple Chocolate. He like bowl yeah. games. It's like on Valentine's Day, don't and, play and this Kevin song. Kevin says, "Quote: If you're gonna eat your chicken, get a fork in the knife." No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I will say Valentine's Day. Don't need a triple chocolate. No, just no, it's all good. But Valentine's Day tonight. Hope you have a uh, a good one out there. Did you? Did you, get, did you hopefully, you got. Your significant other, something, and if you don't, you, you still have me? time. No, I'm not asking. No, Kevin, we talking about you. Well, no, no, we no, no, we 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 seasoning the game. Go out there and get us something. And when you say, well, what should it be? I don't care if it's candy bar. Take a little, take something. No, wrap say, it up. I will say this. Normally, I, I I'm I, I'm not a big Valentine's Day person. Surprised, but no, like uh, I did get my wife something today, and she was surprised. She's like, I wasn't expecting you to get anything oh, because you don't get stuff. Swag, like, hey. the swag, the swag is. I told y'all. So Kevin, I was like, you know, Valentine's gifts. It's all about games. the misdirection. You go several years, you get nothing. Now you get something you're like, hey. Ah, uh-uh, you know, listen, listen, Mrs. Kevin Thomas, you know who you are. <laughs> you know what you can, you know what you can attribute to? Braves win the World Series. Kevin That's just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a different kid. Braves win the World Series. Valentine. <laughs> so Day. she will get another one with the Braves. <laughs> yeah, you'll get another Valentine <laughs> when the Braves win the World Series again. Wow, back to back. So sometime around like 2026. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta win it with a healthy uh, roller coaster. Yeah, no, it's all no. Happy Valentine's Day to my wife. There, public statement of affection. I don't really do those either. But now, 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 oh, this is when Kevin really came around. When Kevin Thomas take pictures, like what he's doing out and about, because Kevin ain't with that. Put the camera <laughs> down. We're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't take a lot of selfies. I'm like, check out that. I don't take a picture of my food either. I don't. I'm, I'm not gonna. I want to eat my food. I don't want to look I'm at it. I'm going to show you the plate because it yeah, was in my Yeah, stomach. I don't want to look at it. That's what I'm going to start doing. I'll start taking pictures of the empty plate and go, man, this was good. The end. Happy Valentine's Day. We'll see you tomorrow right here on 3 and Out all across this other Pigskin Radio Network. Miss any of the show, ESPNCoastal.com or go to our YouTube page at ESPN Coastal.